Welcome back, Martini Giant fans. This is episode number 105, which is Rosemary's Baby from 1968, directed, of course, by Roman Polanski, starring Mia Farrow and John Cassiavetti. We recorded this just before Halloween, which is why now it seems a little late. Uh, but we recorded this on our Twitch channel, and of course, we would love to have you join us on our Twitch channel, which is twitch.tv slash martini underscore giant. This is a classic horror films that we figured you know, based on the theme of our podcast, is something you may not actually have gotten around to seeing. So I figured, hey, why not watch this movie and talk about uh, Rosemary's Baby because it is a fantastic film, very important film in terms of the horror genre. And of course, it is Roman Polanski, which you may have some mixed feelings about. Nonetheless, still an important film. Uh, so anyway, that was a lot of fun. Like a couple of reminders, of course, We'd love for you to join our Patreon. That is patreon.com slash martini giant. If you are a Patreon subscriber, uh, you can be get a member uh, part of our Discord and get part of our subscribers only section, which gives you special access to different areas. Uh, love to have you be part of that. Uh, but for now, please enjoy Rosemary's Baby. This is our Halloween special. Normally on our Halloween specials, we to do three films at once i think the way that we go on about movies it's going to be hard for us to do three films we figured let's pick a really juicy one mm -hmm. uh and we had several good ones that we were going out there we were actually going with the shining but i think the shining is almost too popular it's it's, it's certainly a, i think it's, <laughs> yeah like it's a, it's at its height I'm, I'm happy about it it's one of the best movies i've ever seen but uh it is certainly like it is uh, it more than ever before. It is recognized as the uh, the horror movie, right? Like, the straightforward. Like this is a horror movie. This is the model, and uh, again, which I'm totally psyched about. But it is a little bit satur heavy saturation right now from the show. That's that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Uh, and but then we also had a couple of other ones. The thing was another one we still hadn't covered, but which kind of blows my mind. I can't believe we haven't. I can't that. believe we haven't done that. I love yeah. the thing. Yeah, I know. Great. And we're going to have to wait to Halloween for Halloween to do that. Yeah. Do that, anytime. that can just uh, be on a show called One of the Best Movies Ever Made. Yeah. And then we cover it. Fine. But then this film is a film that I thought was perfect for a theme because I have a feeling that there's a lot of people who've heard of Rosemary's Baby but never actually seen it. Yeah, it's in the zeitgeist in terms of it's in, it's in the pop culture enough that right. it's a thing. People understand what it is, but I don't think people have actually watched it very much. Right, right, right. Great. So, so happy, happy to, to talk about it, <clears throat> and uh, I figured I would just sort of really uh, get into it and think about what it is. What was it, what was it like for you guys to see it again? When, when was the last time you guys saw it? Mm. I, prob I probably saw it fairly recently. I would, yeah, I, I saw, saw it like two months ago. Yeah, I saw. Really? I, I've seen this. Yeah. I've seen this movie a lot, and uh, it, may, it may be uh, maybe as long as a year, but not not too much longer than a year. Uh, definitely, it's a. How about you? One of the go-to's. It's been a long time since I've seen it, um, and maybe maybe fifteen years since I've mm -hmm. seen it. Uh, but I, I mean, I've seen it many times. But it's just, it was kind of interesting to see it now again mm -hmm. because just what's really struck me is the amazing amounts of chauvinism. And oh, the whole, that's the whole film. That's the plot, right? Yeah, it is. A, it is. There's a reason why the villain, like the primary villain you deal with, is called Guy. Yeah. 
<laughs> like, like it's pretty blunt. Yeah, her, her husband is uh, is I would argue that her husband in this movie is more vile than any of the devil worshippers in this movie. Yes, he's a yeah hideous hideous thing. And that he is called Guy is very it's on the nose, but also quite hilarious. Yeah, for sure. Eric, can you lower your volume a little bit? You got it, baby. Yeah, because you're peaking right now. Way in the red. Tell me, I'm talking now. Good? Oh, no. A little more. A little more. more. Go, Eric. There you go. Perfect. Perfect. There you go. Uh, yes. Uh, but yeah, so it was, it was very interesting. Anyone in chat? Who in chat has not seen Rosemary's Baby? I'd be curious to find out because... No, there's a couple of people. Oh, actually, Real Purgator is not here. Have you seen it? <laughs> Have you seen it, Real Purgator? Purg Purgator? Is it Real Purgator or Purgator? Purgator. I don't know. Um, all right. We will, we'll let's get through it. So, uh, this starts off, it's in New York City, correct? Yes. Right. So, what's the name of the building, Eric? It is the Dakota. That's where John Lennon was shot. Yep. And just a little thing that uh, a lot of it was shot in L.A., but the Dakota and all the exterior stuff. And one of the, the remember years ago, I told you I went, I, I ran into Albert Maisel, and then he invited Nancy and I, and we went to his place at the Dakota. Oh, yeah. yeah that's... that's right. And we hung out for like three and a half hours talking about films. For anyone who doesn't know who uh, Albert Mansell is, he's one of the great documentary filmmakers of all time. He did Gimme Shelter yeah. and uh, Salesman. Salesman, yep. Yeah. Uh, great Gardens. Great Gardens, yep. Yeah. And yeah. his apartment was used for the scene where the baby's in the crib. Oh, it's terrific. terrific. And I was in there. I was like, that's unbelievable because it really does. It's all the same woodwork, everything. Sure. It's crazy. Sure. Yeah, that's really something. Yeah, like the uh, I, I think that the the building is, of in this movie is so iconic, and they spend so much time like crafting the 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 vibes surrounding the building. Stick silver. The, 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 was, the apartment was a set. It's the a apartment set. was a yeah. set, but they matched. You know, basically yeah. try to match the interiors. I felt like the interior. It was Richard Silver that did it, who also did like Chinatown. He was good friends mm -hmm. with Beatty. He was mm -hmm. one of the great uh, production designers. Yeah, it's really and pretty incredible. He, yeah, the thing is, I felt like the hallway's a little bit dirty, but it doesn't matter. Like it, well, it felt like it felt. Oh, like you mean a, the outside of the apartment? When they left the apartment, going to the hallway. Yeah, the the, the outside apartment is dingy. I think that's it's a dingy. Thing. Yeah, like, yeah, I, I, but it was yeah. a little too much compared to what it is. I felt well because, in reality. Like, it's, yeah, but yeah. it's like it is a corrupted place. But so it's, I think it's, yeah, it's, you're it's supposed a, to feel house. like it's. Yeah. Yeah. I know it was a little too independent film before independent film. <laughs> but yeah, sometimes like, the I, sets I, are always like they just put a bunch of raw umber on and say, "Wow, it's yeah. destruction." But, but yes, it was it was definitely um, it was cool. They they create a really uh, and they create a, a terrific space for this movie just with the opening shot panning across New, New York City. Um, because it, like it really, there's something creepy about that shot, like the, the high angle and the compressed lens they're using and everything feels like, very, it feels like this overwhelming number of anonymous people. Uh, and right. then when it, when it lands on the, on the, uh, on the building where it's going to take place in, it's like, 
you're it was already you're already in a weird space like this this is a strange it's a strange town plus they have like these big gaudy pink titles on top of it really yeah i actually but, like them oh it's beautiful yeah i know it's, it's kind of like the font under us right now <laughs> it's true yes it's true uh yeah the uh like because it's the uh because the, the 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 flowery bright pink uh, uh font is uh essentially rosemary herself and the background this dense dingy frightening overwhelming background is the rest of the movie <laughs> like right. so they they basically have a title design that echoes exactly what the experience of the movie and yeah. really really brilliant yeah and this is you know it's funny because i remember years ago i was watching an old movie with brady and he was like why are they putting the titles at the beginning because now we always just put our main oh yeah all the credits at the beginning yeah it's like, yeah i like, really do prefer it like i think that it, i think it is better to do this because it is it takes the time to establish a the world of, and yeah, get exactly. it in the production it's like a, a yeah it's more theatrical i feel yeah. when you do that yeah, and like uh, what it really insults me just to go on a thing is like when you watch television and then the movie ends they take it and go shrink and they scrunch it to the bottom yeah, right they corner just, and they the speed worst. it up yeah, it's such an insult to everybody that worked like, on it yeah, you can't like, read anything like I, I want an option in netflix to not do that instead of going we're out like this and then you have to click on it and say continue to watch movie like uh, yeah i was watching the fucking movie it's not over yet yeah but yeah it's like the 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 brilliance of like opening credit sequences aren't a, i mean like for the people that are being credited it's that's important for them sure but what you're really doing is taking the time to uh do a lead-in mood it's the book cover for the movie you know and it's sort of like is it you watch like fincher's panic room where the the titles are huge and inset into the into the sky and through the buildings and all this like it really puts you in a in a vibe yeah. before the movie starts well it's interesting i had a conversation or i met at, at thu and i did a podcast with her it'll be out at some point uh with karen feng Mm-hmm. She is one of the main title designers at Imaginary Forces. Mm-hmm. And Imaginary yeah. Forces does incredible title design. Yeah, absolutely. Really big title design. Uh, and she's she was just sort of saying, it's like, she's like it's kind of shitty now that you know, on shows, when you watch a show and they make all these elaborate opening titles, right. and now there's like, skip opening. like Skip <laughs> opening, yeah, exactly. No no foreplay. That's what it should The little button that says no foreplay. No foreplay. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like, like why, why would I skip this? You know? yeah, like the more, in fact, the, the more I love a show, like the less the chance that I'm going to skip the opener because I, I want to get myself in the right headspace. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's all part of the vibe. It's all part of the vibe. Because the one thing I will say about the, because people, you know, the, the common phrase have never judge a book by its cover. Yes, that's true, metaphorically speaking. But a great book cover puts you yes. in mind to read the book it gives That's you this right. flavor it lets you know when you know how to how to start feeling about it and then the book starts and it's really great and so yeah this is this is up there with one of my like my favorite titles like this is up there uh the uh <clears throat> the relentless scrolling of the shining is up there uh where it's just like the shining is just another credit that rolls by as uh you know in the beginning and uh, also very similar to rosemary's baby is picnic at hanging rock uh which has this all these moody shots of the uh, of the outback, and then it finally lands on, uh, you know, the uh, on the school right, and the music crashes in, and the font is flourished and huge, and says "Picnic at Hanging Rock," and it's 
scares the shit out of me every time I see it. <laughs> you know, this is this is the great opener for Rosemary's Baby. Is that really it? Really gets you, it lands you on the right right, uh, right stage. It's pretty good, I gotta say. Now you're looking at this as like this is gonna be goofy, like it's gonna feel goofy. But then you get into it, it gets it's. I think it's precisely the downward angle on the building mm-hmm. with right. a very wide lens that right. makes it just. It looks like a haunted house, even though it's absolutely it's an apartment. Absolutely, it looks really completely great. surreal. By the time you yeah. land on it, it's, it's completely bizarre looking, and right. uh, and it's very. The entire tone makes it very convincing that this and what this is ultimately important to the movie itself is that uh spoiler alert this is a uh uh we just watched my my, uh daughter and um and this is a this is a secret apocalypse movie right and so with apocalyptic movies you need to believe in the world beyond the setting you're primarily going to be filming and they do such a great job with that opening two minutes of convincing you that the rest of the world is filled with these haunted houses, essentially. Like that's what it looks like. And so when the, when the punchline comes, you're like, yeah, it's the end. This is the end of the world. It's really, really brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty, pretty amazing. Uh, okay. So as we established, it's see this creepy apartment, but happy in music, very mm-hmm. cheery music, right? Yep. Uh, and you see this couple is looking at an apartment and they're being greeted by the, I guess the super, whoever is managing the apartment mm-hmm. to see it. Right. Uh, and it's a little dingy, as you mentioned, especially in the hallway. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and there's an elevator boy, right. That was mm-hmm. the time when you had elevator boys. And when 68 was this movie, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right about that. 67. Okay. I think it takes place in like 65. Yeah. 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 And so uh, goes up old elevator, the kind that doesn't even have buttons. You just have a <laughs> lever that goes right. up or down. Yeah, it almost looks Still like like that. Yeah, the old those old buildings. The There's only a couple like that in New York. I've been in the building uh, on Gramercy. I got we were shooting, and it turns out I went to high school where only 39 kids in your class with one of the guy the ki- the guy that owned it. Uh, and it was the top floor in Gramercy Park overlooking the park, and it had water pressure or steam pressured elevator, and there's oh, only wow. a few left. That's weird. Yeah. In New York, it <laughs> seems consu- dangerous. <laughs> well, the device yeah. itself, like the 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 shifter to make the elevator go up and down, looks like something you'd find on a boat. You know, it's like yeah. one, it looks like one of those you know stop full steam ahead kind of things. <laughs> yeah, it's really weird. It's a like so yeah. like. Even the interior, it's like the whole time, it's just reinforcing the, the different construction of this world. It's, it's really, really intense. Yeah. Like yeah, most yeah. movies would sort of blow that stuff off when like, this is the meat and potatoes. This is the haunted house. Yep. <clears throat> yep. 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 Okay. So they're looking at an apartment. Uh, the apartment was old, but owned or uh, was occupied by an older lady who died. Mm-hmm. They said, yeah. "Did she die in the apartment?" Oh no, no, no! She had a coma. She went into a coma. Right? She went into a coma, and she was in a coma for a long time, and then she died. And it's like okay, uh, and so they're looking around, and it's very old lady like. It's very densely packed. Yeah, like lots there's of, lots of knickknacks and stuff. Not quite hoarder territory, but yeah. there's a lot. Yeah. And then there's a quarter territory. There's a, there's, she's got an area in the, in her study, which have got a bunch of plants 
Yeah, herbs right? galore. Herbs Loads galore. Herb, right. Yeah. And uh, she had a note on a. She she over. Uh, Rosemary sees a little note on there. It's like I'm, I don't want to be part of this anymore. Uh, yeah, it says it's just I can no longer associate, so and then it's unfinished. Yes, yeah, so I can no longer associate That's myself, and then it's just. That's it. So you get right. the feeling like this is the moment when she was she was writing this and something happened to her. Something happened to her. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> right. Okay. And then sort of looking around and then the 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 manager, department manager says, wait a minute. There's a closet there. There's a secretary, like this huge secretary that's blocking a closet. Oh, why on earth would they do that? Why did they do that? And so, did, and then Rosemary looks down and she notices the carpet has different, like it was dragged over. Right. Because they used to be here. And so they get them to move it over and they notice they open up and there's a closet with a vacuum cleaner and that's and a couple shelves. <laughs> right? And that's it. And so they're like, huh, well, I wonder why she'd do that. So she says, maybe she was going senile after all. Right? So, anyway. yeah, like Rose, Rosemary, like Rosemary and her husband are young. Uh, you know, they have a lot of money because uh, the husband is a successful actor, at least a mid-level successful actor. He's not like he's really been, a successful he's, actor. He's been on TV. He's in a... Well, at that time, getting on TV is a big deal. Yeah. And so, well, like, he's, TV, he's but, TV money. but TV's like commercials, right? Yeah, yeah, like, he's, they he's say a, it, though. It's big money. And it, it, right. it was a big... You know, you're in commercials. He's, a big like, deal. he's in a very popular commercial, right? And, right. For uh, Yamaha. Right. For Yamaha, and so he's the face of Yamaha right now. So he's making like this, this kind of money where it's not like this isn't famous money, and it's only incidentally rich money. It's rich for them at their level right now, but it's probably going to fade out. Right. You know, like this is this is like you happen to be the hot ticket right now, but it's not like you're, you know, it's not like you're uh, John Voight. You know, it's like the, you're you're sure. just the next pretty face. Uh, and but they're trying to, they're trying to leverage that and take advantage of it to get this. You know, uh, hot location um, Manhattan apartment, right? But it and it's like, oh, it's you know, great location. It's next to the theaters, et cetera, et cetera. So they said, okay, and they go ahead and they take it. Right, they're li- they're living slightly beyond their means. Is the is the flavor that you, that I get from it? It's like they're they're hyper extending themselves slightly, right? And uh, and it's all because the husband, awesomely played by uh, uh, John Cassavetes, uh, film director. Um, is he is a charming, uh, selfish narcissist, and like so he's like, oh, it's oh yeah, we have to. He's an actor. actor. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Actors like just by default. That's like you know. And she and she on in counterpoint is very uh meek. Yeah, she's very meek. And like what's what's very interesting, and I think what was sort of like they set this up very early, is that he is sort of. Uh, even when he's joking, is very sort of pushy and bullying, right? And she gets like so he gets his gets his way by bullying people and bullying her, and she gets her way by sort of uh, uh, manipulating him into doing the opposite of what she seems to be saying. Uh, and so she's just like, "Oh no, I mean you don't have to do that." And then that's what gets him to do it, right? And right. so like they have this is a from the get go. A super dysfunctional uh, 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 codependent relationship. It's just in the phase where it's kind of fun, uh, but they both have really, really bad habits and uh, and ways to maneuver each other into doing things. And it's quite clear from the get go. Right. Okay, I got to interrupt this for a second. Hmm. Look what just came in the mail. 
Hey, 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 podcast. Podcast magazine. Podcast magazine with. And featured inside Podcast Magazine. Oh, my God. Oh. Where'd you get that, Chris? Famous. Look at that. We, I, we can't, can't see it because it's blocking me. Wait a minute. Giant is featured inside of my podcast magazine. How, how do you get a hold of that? Uh, it's October, the October 2022, volume three, number nice. nine, podcast magazine. We Too are here. Right, man. This is it great. says Martini Giant Drink Talk Drink. And then there's it is a one, two, three, four. Oh a massive layout. Five, five page write up about us. Where I talk about nothing but Miami Vice. For many paragraphs. No, no. <laughs> I got to say the font's pretty big for the thing, but it does. Yeah, that's right. That's a good. Be, we used to work. Uh, well, you know, it's, yeah. like, it's the kind of thing where you, this is a good leisurely read magazine and it's actually beautifully laid out. It's yeah, it's actually really great. Yeah. So I'm very excited about it. Yeah. Did so, you get just, a hard uh, issue as yeah, well? Yeah, they sent. Yeah, they just sent it. Uh, Lily just came in and gave it to me. That's so arrived second. Oh, ago. that's awesome. Podcast magazine. Congratulations, Pod- boys. That's great. That's the yeah. print. That's pretty We're great. in print. I love it. No, they, um, uh, she was wonderful to talk to, and the magazine was, I think it turned out great. It's a beautiful magazine. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's great. I didn't, uh, like, I was talking to Brady, he's like, podcast magazine, is that really a thing? It's like, yep. There it is, man. <laughs> there it is. Quite nice. But uh, yeah, so the, uh, so yeah, so now, uh, obviously, uh, once the word spreads, uh, we should uh, start looking for an apartment uh, to broadcast yeah. out of in Manhattan. Right. In Manhattan, um, in a uh, in a lovely uh, old building, I think it'd be like we get a sponsor like Yamaha, <laughs> the face of Yamaha <laughs> Martini Giant. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, the the next thing that's funny. Okay. So after this, they leave, and they meet with who appears to be their old landlord, right? Yes. Right. Hutch. Also, Hutch. Hutch. I also as a, a good friend of theirs, obviously, since they're having dinner with him, mm-hmm. right? He's making dinner for them. Um, and, uh, he says, you know, that building's really weird. <laughs> a lot of strange things happen. That a building. lot of strange things happen in that building. They, they, what's the, he mentions things like uh, witchcraft, uh, eating babies, murder, <laughs> conjuring the devil, you know, like yeah. all this stuff. I mean, it sounds it, a little, a lot of it, a little bit like Ghostbusters when they're talking about ghosts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, whatever. And the right. thing is, like, this is the thing that you have in every good haunted house movie. It's just like the the house. Don't amazing. go up there. Yeah. And then someone comes. To, oh, actually, it has a terrible history. But like, what's really sort of interesting is that, uh, like, when you see this done in modern movies, like, it's so, um, like, they they overplay it. Like they like they're just like, and then the murders, and everyone's taking it very seriously. And then this, they're just like, ah, that's weird. Like they, it's just fucking completely blown off. Like, oh, man, oh yeah, yeah, they completely blow it off. <laughs> they completely so, blow it off. Yeah. yeah, like yeah, it's an old building in New York. Of course, that all sorts of weird shit happened in it. That's what it's fucking. It's New York. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it's like it, it was when he says after the war, it start, people started moving in again. Because at yes. one point, it was like it was all empty because of all the crazy shit going on. But, yep, yep, yep. All right. But yeah, um, t- like totally. I think this is where it really establishes itself as a different kind of haunted house horror movie because like it, it like instead of giving credence to uh what like the 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 evil plot like from the get-go it's like that's fucking ridiculous like it just the movie the movie has this disdainful attitude towards it and uh so it becomes even more convincing as it convinces you right exactly exactly okay um so so then they uh they they then they 
obviously they're renting it and they're they're moving in. So you have them them moving into the to the place. Place is all emptied or just empty out boxes, right? And it's their first night there. The furniture's not there yet, and they're having like a picnic on the floor of the of the uh, uh, living of room. The apartment. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Living just room. like it's completely bare, completely empty room. Right. They can overhear the neighbors also, like through the wall. Right. They were like, oh. Because they split the living room. The living room was split, or their bedroom was split. It used to be a dining room. Yes. Right. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and like, you could hear the classic voice of, uh, 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 yeah, Ruth, Ruth Gordon. Uh, right. Like, she's such a, she's such a, Darling. oh my God. She's like the New York actress of all time. Right. And uh, from Dedham, I think. Oh, she is. Yeah, she is hysterical, man. Oh, uh, yeah, let me tell you. Oh, blah, 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 blah. Sweetie, let's like all this. Sweetie, kind of come here. Yeah. Have some of this. Yeah. Like she's constantly talking, cutting people off, and barely finishing her own sentences. And you hear right. her and her husband, Roman, talking through the wall. Right. And uh, the husband, then so when uh, Rosemary's husband says, I think I can hear the the women who ate those babies. I could think, of, I think I hear them still chewing. <laughs> 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 it was, and it's great because like it turns into this love scene like they're like after they they, they finish up their picnic and they decide to fool around right and so they start making out on the floor and then then he lays that line down of like eating babies and you're like whoa dude like, why would you do that while having <laughs> sex you have a good thing going on here what are you doing right but it right, right, definitely right. uh definitely sets up the theme right <laughs> yep 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 so at this point, uh, there's there she's she's you know nesting in a sense, right? Mm-hmm. They're painting the walls, they're getting the furniture put in. It's making it much much brighter. It was a much darker apartment. Yeah. And now they're making it super. They're painting all the walls white, and it's very right. bright, very cheery looking, which is also kind of interesting how they transform that space as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. And it's clearly like old lady used to live here. Now a young couple, fresh young couple. Fresh young couple with, you know, mid-century furniture, right. you know, looking great. Looking yep. great. Yep. Um, so she then goes down to the, she's, she's, she's very, this is, I got to emphasize, this movie is very housewife, 60s housewife feeling, right? Yes. She's, she does the laundry. When he gets home, she brings him a beer and some snacks, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, uh, and it's Gosh. all it's this is all part of the, the this is this is part of the shtick. It's yeah, this is part. what they're this is what they're dismantling. She so needs that girl in the basement. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll get get to that in a second. Right. There, I just it reminds me when the drink thing. There was a <clears throat> a hilarious uh, a movie with Dupaldu in it. I forgot what it was, but it was essentially he plays specifically plays the prototypical chauvinist uh, Frenchman. Right, right, right. <laughs> and so, but he is, uh, and he's super homophobic too. And so he basically starts making fun of uh, this gay person or whatever, and apparently gets in trouble. And then it's this whole thing that he's in, right? Mm. And so he's home and he's in shock, and he just he just walks home from work. He's in shock from this whole situation, and all he does is sit down in his recliner and just put his hand out like this. <laughs> Right, so that his wife can put his drink Just in. Puts his hand the drink in, yes, exactly. <laughs> That's what it should be, right? That's it. Yeah. It's crazy, and, it, it's and like crazy. this is like, and so with these two, like they're a hip young couple, and so right. it's like it feels 
like a little out of place it's right? weird it's like it's just a little like there's there's these weird clingy old ideas that are still webbed into their more lives, 40s and right? 50s than yeah. 60s right really no i don't think so no i, like, I feel like he's because he is such a like he's like they're newfangled in terms of their you know uh women started vibe. to have careers at this time. yeah exactly but like but she is so dependent on his success that but there's it, it, look, it turns into this it turns yeah into but a, there was a lot I, I felt like there's a lot of characters like that uh, growing up in the new york tri-state area oh, for sure yeah oh, like, totally, totally, i'm only totally, saying i'm not saying it's unrealistic i just think like it's absolutely like, not it is uh it is unusual like the movie makes it sort of makes a point of it and in the time period during which the movie is released not just now like you would you see any other movie like you see uh, a popular movie like women are being pushed uh, like are pushing forward as like we're in control we can make des- decisions and choices we're heroic in our own and you know like like you get a lot more of that and a lot less housewifey stuff uh like it's the 50s and there's a slight 50sness to their relationship which they don't like it doesn't seem like it's unrealistic to their to this couple but it feels like she's sort of forced into it from their situation like he's making a shitload of money he's a big egotistical dude she's sort of a minimalized a minimized character and so they fall into these old school patterns that are a little bit out of date for the kind of movie that you would expect this to be at the time that was a that was a Look, I'm not. No, you're, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's unrealistic. It's just unusual to see movies of this time period be so conservative with actors that are perceived as very progressive. Right. I'm not saying it's un, it's totally realistic. What do you mean? It, like, but backtrack. Like with actors yeah. that in real life they seem progressive. Yes, that's what I mean. So like, so Cassavetes is very progressive. Like he is. He is like cutting edge. You know, indie drama. He's but he became boring. that, you know. Well, he's you know he's that he's a problem actor even starting then. Like he's like well, he was making films in the fifties. Yeah. The point like, is that's a big film. To oh, get. without a doubt. Yeah. And in like, a way, that's pretty much what he was probably dealing with because he had probably young kids at the time. But without and a doubt. And to get a, a role like that, well, so this, even this if he I'm was saying, progressive, the the movie has the movie ultimately has a very progressive intent, and that's like that's what the critique is. But instead of like having characters that are classically progressive heroes, like you see them in this sort of retrograde trap very early on. And for other movies of the time period, which we're all trying to, you know, this is like, you know, late 60s is when they're trying to show progressive ideas on screen. Like this is unusually classical uh, 50s style relationship, which they then make use of. Yeah, I, I disagree because I knew relationships like that as a young. Uh, kid. No, no, you're misunderstanding me. Wait, uh, what I'm saying, what I'm saying is like you're actually you're completely right that this kind of relationship existed, but that's not the kind of relationship you made a movie about at that time. Yeah, but they were really uh, they come across as really selfish. Oh, people, hugely, and yeah. it's a real condemnation. I, and you know what? It is kind of a European view. Of mm-hmm. Americans, Polanski. It's a total critique. Much, yeah, yeah, total critique. And, and exactly. So I think it's um, there's a lot of different angles to that thing because I feel like also there was a. It's not anti-Semitic because Polanski is Jewish, but there was a way that they really accented a Jewish New York life, particularly in the Upper West Side, yeah, New York, but Saperstein, yeah. all these, right. and the way they like. 
there was a way they accented that. And I was like, it was just kind of a weird, well, it the, wasn't the, an American interpretation. It was the, a the author, the author of the book, I believe, is Jewish as well. And yes, so and Polanski is as well. And he right. suffered all his family did in right. World War II. Right. But the, the thing was, it was definitely, if you look there's at a, it, there's a European there's perspective. Old school, yeah, absolutely. There's an old school, uh, deep uh, history quality to this, right? So uh, we're essentially saying the same thing. There is an old school, deep history quality to the story, right? And the the movie itself, by casting Mia Farrow and um, and um, what's his name, like like these are hip, like these are magazine ready actors who are doing hip new stuff, and then you have this very old worldy relationship and movie that starts playing out, and which makes it feel like it feels strange from the get go. Like this is not the, like if you were to like talk to Mia Farrow in Vogue, like she wouldn't be supportive of exactly the kind of relationship that's being shown here. Yeah, like, but I there's also a thing to it. I feel because at that time she had just married Sinatra. Sure, right. Who was like there's a lot of history right there. Exactly, like late forties, early fifties. Right, and that was a big deal, like sure. for him. And it was a kind. It wasn't scandalous. It was. It's but I think Ava Gardner comment mm. on their marriage was, well, he always wanted to sleep with a young boy. He finally got it. Yeah, exactly. And exactly. so uh, that was her comment. But, right. you know, Ava Gardner broke his heart. That was the one that he right. screwed up. But yes, that was for her at the time. Um, she was also, you know, I'm not saying a Kardashian, but yeah. she definitely was like a, a real, you know, her sister Prudence, the Beatles mm. wrote a song after, right. and uh, Dear Prudence, and mm. they were with the Beatles in India. Yeah. Um, so she was like, yeah, absolute hip chick. That's, that's what I'm saying, right? It's so like what, what, what it's setting up is like, it's already putting this hip chick, right, in a very conservative position. Uh, and that's what makes the movie feel weird from the get-go, which is, which is on purpose, right? It's like, you know, here's this sort of like, you know, 50s-style uh, relationship that she's in with her husband, and then everyone around her is ever more conservative. Like, it's a conservative building. The forces that are, are bearing down on her are, are conservative forces. And she's, like, she fights against this by, like, getting a Vidal Sassoon haircut, you know, and very, very stylish new things and trying to take control of her life. Well, that's new. That's not conservative. I mean, pretty much everybody in that building is liberal, Democrat. Um, and And... That's just the way. Yeah, I should. I shouldn't say conservative. Groups. I should say like I should say uh, history. It's the weight of history is all around her, and how yeah. you're supposed to act, right? And uh, like I think that's re what's really interesting about the movie is like there are there are many movies uh, that are anti counterculture movies at this time, which show you know uh, villainous crazy hippies being the witches, this kind of stuff, right? But in this, it's a bunch of old people, and it's like so it's the it's like all these all these old people for decades and decades and hundreds and hundreds of years have been pressuring people to act in a certain way, and they're and that's what this couple that's what Mia Farrow is is up against. But it was and, a and she, yeah, it's a counterculture thing too, is what you're saying. Yeah, it's like it's like when you when you bring up a, there's a European view of America in this movie. It's like it's like it it uh, Polanski gets the counterculture idea across in a very weird way in a, in a sort of an inverse way. And, in, and not, he doesn't take the easy route. He takes a complex route to criticize what's wrong with America. 
And I think it's really brilliant to cast, especially Mia Farrow, uh, in this role up front because she's not acting in the way she's already in a thing that she's like you would not expect her to be in. Yeah, I, but it's I'm sure he was like also Polanski at that time after Knife in the Water. He was like a big deal mm-hmm. uh, director, so to get that role. And I'm wondering, too, if the marriage to Sinatra was – I have to look it up. I don't know if she finished the marriage because it only lasted a few years. Sure. Um, or it just happened. But I remember when she was with a short haircut, mm-hmm. uh, that's when she was around Sinatra, and that's where the young boy comments. She, she, is, she is quite famous for uh, uh, hooking up with major uh, – Influential stars. directors, directors. Well, yeah, and her, she came, <laughs> like, this she is was, what she does. Well, her so how many times her, has she been married? Uh, she was uh, Andre Previn, Andre Previn, Sinatra, Woody Allen. Woody. I don't know if she was married to, but yeah, I mean, they're essentially married. You know. Um, but the thing about, I mean, they were like the real, you know, hip thing. She and her mm-hmm. sister, and um. I don't know. It probably was a good thing. Plus, maybe she felt with the thing with with Sinatra, she felt. I don't know. Maybe that star. She used that star power to get the role, but it was a big role for her. And yeah, very, very um, much so. this is this is the breakout thing for her in in every way. Like this but this was her first big film, right? Yeah, this is her first big. Yeah, film. she did, no. Hit. She was in a television show. Yep. Well, she said he was. Dis- it says she was dis- in her bio. It says she was noticed for the first time in Rosemary's Baby. She was yes. a. She was in a television show that was black and white, right? And she was. I don't know if she was a major player, but she wasn't. This is, this and, is and her mother was a big deal. You know, she was Jane, and yeah. so. But I think she was in a television show yeah. that was one of those black and white family shows. Uh, not leave it to Beaver, but something. My three sons. It was. It was something like that. Where she played she, she's made, a love she, interest. She made very focused choices in her career to make sure that she could get where she wanted to be, and this was one of them. I think that's what happened. You know, and I think that uh, I think that she is very much in control. She is very much in control of her life. And yeah, and I think the nude scenes show that. Like she yeah. has no problem doing it. Yes, it's yeah. that time. But it's also it helps the the movie propel yes. the movie the realness and I think you know it was brave she took a chance. Yep. Yeah. Maybe sure. she was feeling like oh I married Sinatra my career is over or I don't know but she was young. Yeah. And so like by having her opposed in you know, throughout the movie by Cassavetes, you know Cassavetes is like this you know he is uh, like as a personality in real life is a really pushy abrasive artist yeah and uh and he's like he's no fucking around and then he is cast in this role as a as a as as a consumer production person you know he's an actor who advertises yamahas you know it's the opposite of who casavetes is it's interesting because he never really he comes off as a jerk not really a jerk but just kind of he's kind of nice and affable but definitely selfish he is like yeah he's yeah, like, he's but he is the most sinister force in the movie because he has absolutely no integrity whatsoever none none like zero from the he's from, a starving he's got a, he's a starving you no know, he's a young actor yep. yeah. with a wife in expensive place he's yep. got to think about himself make money and it's it's a hard gig yeah he, so, and he's like and every like everything he does he says he's doing it for the both of them 
he's not he's doing he's like like it's like when the you know when the dude goes blind and he gets the role he's just like oh i'm so sorry but i'll take it you know i mean it's just like he has like it's not wrong to take the role but you can see that he is putting on a performance of grief you know like he could give a shit about anybody else or the trouble that like he's like the pain that he's going to be forcing Mia Farrow through. He's just like, it's an, it's incidental. Like who, as long as I get what I dream of, then it's okay. I could, I, she can take it. Like that's, it's, he's a, like, at least with the bad guy, like with Roman Castanet and those guys, I mean, at least they are, they have the courage of their convictions. Like they're going to do it. <laughs> they're like, Oh yes, we're not backing down. Whereas Castanet is, is a weaselly shrimpish, terrible man. Yep. And he's that, but he's very charming and fun. Okay, so but here's see. the thing: he could his his motivation could be I just have to do this for my family because that's how am I going to afford all this and our, everything will be taken care of? I, like, I, don't, know. I don't know if that's I, the case. I, I don't. Yeah, well, agree. he, he says that at the end. That's yeah, what but, he tells himself. But that's his okay. But he's still telling himself that. Yes, that's the like if I just himself. do this, it's because it's, it's a right. hard road as an actor, and he just lost the role. Right. But thank God he just got it, saved. So, it, like, and except that he is he is forcing someone he ostensibly loves to go through in an in, in insane amount of pain and lie and, to her and gaslight her constantly. Yeah, but isn't that Ozark in the beginning? <laughs> I I've, I haven't seen Ozark yet. I saw the first episode. It's really good. But yeah, like he's like he's despicable. He's utterly despicable and and very charming. Breaking Bad. Oh, absolutely. I got to do this to this, get money for the yeah, family. And that's what I'm saying. It's like Breaking Bad. He is and that's a his terrible thing. person. That's right. But he <laughs> keeps telling himself, "I'll have he's enough money to take care to take care of the family," even though he's got a wall full of money. Yeah, it's that not, same. He is not it's doing that uh, shard of glass, as they say. Yes. He's not doing any, anything for anyone but himself, and he is pretending. To, he's he's putting on a a show of loving his wife when if he if oh. she died like he'd he'd get over it pretty quick pretty quickly yeah we'll pretty get st- to that we'll get yeah. to that in a second yeah. but but anyway so they go to the uh she goes to the laundry room which is in the basement mm-hmm. very creepy looking basement yeah yeah fantastic and she's just sitting on a chair reading a magazine waiting for the laundry to happen right she's just a thing right and then this she meets another young woman there, probably mm-hmm. about her age, right? Yep. And uh, this young woman, and they they start chatting, and it turns out that she said she lives with their neighbor, the the, the, the older couple who are next who are next yeah. door to them. Because mm-hmm. yeah, I'm I've been I've been staying with them. They took me on, and it turns out that she said, uh, you know, I was I was in the street. I, basically, she was a drug addict. Yeah, right? she was. Mm-hmm. A, Turning tricks and doing drugs and do it. And so they took her in and sort of changed her life around and she owes them everything. Right. The Castavets. The Castavets. Yes. And like, ah, you know, it's like, it's so nice. That woman was the Playboy Playmate of the Year. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Like she was it. She was in a movie called Chuka and uh, she was basically her name is. Victoria Vetri, and okay. she's actually went to prison for murder. No, yeah, no, really, in the two thousands, like two thousand eighteen, wow. four times. But I have this feeling she was she was actually up for the role as Maria in West Side Story, but was uh, sideswiped by Natalie Wood. Uh-huh. Uh, she was uh, in uh, Wagon Train, Kings of the Sun, Chuka, Rosemary's Baby, and when dinosaurs ruled the earth. And Star Trek, 
and she was a Playboy Playmate of the Year. And the thing I was reading about this, the interesting thing is that when they were discussing uh, in the movie that Mia Farrow says, oh, my God, you look like that actress Victoria Vetri. Right? Oh, yeah. Like, oh, that's right. Right, right. That's her stage name. <laughs> her real name is. Uh, oh, that's right. Because, yeah, a lot of people think, say I look like her. her. She's also known as a Angela Dorian. Right. And that was her name she used for Playboy. But they, her real name was Victoria Vetri. So as a little side joke, he said, oh, you remind me of Victoria Vetri. Right. That was a little comment, the inside comment I found that's out. Funny. I was like, that's that's really kind funny. of funny. I that love is kind of funny. I, I have a feeling. Casting. I wonder if she was sleeping with Polanski or something because it's it was definitely one of those yeah. producers' girlfriends kind of vibe. There's um, a, that's. I was going to say like she was actually, the most popular playmate of the Vietnam War era. There we go. Who Victoria? Yeah, her image was in the Apollo Moon mission. They put it in as a joke. Her, her centerfold. Oh my god, that's amazing. That's okay. insane. Well, like I, I really do person. love her. Like I love her casting in this role because like. There's something unnerving, and it's because she's not a very good actor. But it's like she's there's something she's unnerving a about great her. Actress, yeah, yeah, she's I really like really want to clear the air with her. Like especially up against Mia Farrow, who's incredibly, like very easily talented. Like she's uh, she's like she's very right. Like she, it's like there's no camera there at all with Farrow. Um, and to put her in uh in a scene up against her, right? Mm-hmm. Like really emphasizes what the other one cannot do very well, and it has a very strange effect on the scene because it feels really desperate. Uh, And so you're in this really creepy setting and they're talking and here's like Farrah, Farrah's like, like essentially Farrah's broadcasting this vibe of like, why are you acting so weird? You know, like I'm, I'm a natural person. This is real. And she's like, no, everything is fine. And I live with the cast of vets. And you're like, this sounds like I'm talking to a junkie, like who's putting on a show. And like, She's she is putting on a show. She's not a particularly good actor. No, no offense to that uh, <laughs> to this person, but I'm just like that's what makes the scene work so strangely. Uh, and P- Polanski's ability to recognize that, like, there's nobody. We can talk all day long about you know Polanski, the 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 person and his and his and his uh, problems, but like his his incredible sense of what upsets you is pretty much yep. unparalleled like every movie he has ever made like has that tone and i've never you can't even describe why it is that tone that's right but from he, knife and the water on knife and the water he gets on. that that layer of something that is whole hard to yeah like um and i'm wondering wrong. you know i think one of the things that he does that i noticed watching it a couple times this week again is uh it's the little character things like when they're in the elevator and the guy who's showing the place pulls a little hair off the elevator operator's shoulder oh yeah, yeah. and it's just like why so weird what is that? that yes it's exactly. just crust and it's little the whole place just, it just makes you feel awkward yeah exactly. yeah and so there's it, it, it all increased. these little yeah. things um that are in it that really just kind of um there's no one thing that's making you feel. But there, if you it's put lots all and of, lots of things. yeah, and I think the one thing he took from Hitchcock was when she was in the in, in the phone booth, and there's a guy's back of the head. It looks oh, like yeah. Kissinger, and yeah, yeah, he's yeah. just there. And but it's just this kind of weird head and 
body and it's just kind of rocky back right. and forth. And it's just, it's like, it's so, he just puts people and makes them do things that well, are there's kind the of classic just a little... shot of Ruth Gordon on the bed answering the phone and her face is cut off by the doorframe. Like you see the whole rest of her body. She's on the phone and, and you're like, what? The best is when she's on the phone towards the end of the movie and all the people are sneaking through. Oh, it's Chris, it makes me laugh out loud. Oh my God. But that's the whole thing. It's just like, what? And there's always, and the awkwardness of the guy's like, that bureau doesn't belong there. Why? This is strange. (laughs) That guy's amazing. But that's so much like New York. It's just, it's very. Yeah. Yeah, I'd like to actually pinpoint that dude. That guy who was on Star Trek a couple of times, like he's a great old character actor. Yes, but he is like so, like he's in such showman mode, but he's also totally disassociated from what's happening. Like he's right. just like, oh well, yeah, blah, 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 blah. he's just rattling on, and the conversation he is having seems to have nothing to do with the conversation that they're trying. It's to actually have. happening. Yeah. yeah, it's unbelievably good. But yeah, uh, exactly right. the, the other. Here's a story about the about uh, what's her name, uh, uh, Victoria Vetri. Uh, apparently, Victoria Vetri became very close with Sharon Tate. Oh no! Uh, during uh, with uh, you know who's Roman Polanski's wife, as, mm-hmm. as we know, during the filming of Rosemary's Baby. Uh, and on the night of August eighth and 9th, nineteen sixty nine, Tate invited Vetri to uh, uh, to Polanski's house. When the director was away, she declined because she wasn't feeling well. Oh my and god! And that was the night she was killed that's by Charles murder. Yeah. yeah. So, as we all know, that's a story from based on what we saw from uh, um, uh, what's it called? Well, it's upon time in Hollywood. Anyway, right. right. Okay, let's back to the movie. Uh, back to the movie. Uh, where are we? Uh, right. So they're doing laundry. Meets this young woman. Says these are great, great couple. And, and she shows him a necklace. Uh, she shows her a necklace. She like, says, I, they gave me this really, they gave me this, this pendant. And it's mm-hmm. like this necklace. And it's like, huh. And it's got, it's got some herbs in it. And it's like, it smells terrible. And goes, yeah, it's tannis root. That's what mm-hmm. they say. And it says, it's supposed to be ward off evil things or whatever. Right. right. And so, uh, anyway, that's about it. Uh, then, then they, they they leave and they make an agreement. It's like, oh, why don't we come together next time to do laundry together? Because this place is really creepy. And they're like, yes. And there's <laughs> they hear a crashing sound. It's not good. Yeah, right? like it's a spooky place. Like they, you get the idea that that there are people watching them all the time. Like there's right. passages in this place you, that you don't know about. It's yeah, it's bad news. The whole place is uh, is villainous. Uh, okay. So now they're we're, they're back in their apartment. We're back in the apartment, and uh, uh, they're in bed, and they can hear the couple talking again, right? But then it turns to chanting. <laughs> yeah, like what the? Were they listening to weird music? What is this? Yeah, right. right. I mean, we all know where this is going, but of course, still. like, then this is part of the fun of the movie, right? It's like you know that it's real, like it's right. happening, right? But you're but Pharaoh is so convincingly guileless the whole time. That you know, it's like seventy five percent of the movies, and she's like, "No, yeah." Chanting next door, I'd be like, "Boop boop boop boop." So they had a yeah. All right. Okay. So so now they're walking home, and as they get near the apartment, there's a whole commotion of people, and there are cops there. Turns out. 
that they they see the young lady from the laundry room has jumped to her death. And he's like, yes. that was quick. So she yes. didn't really yeah, have that much of a role in this movie. <laughs> right. And, and now it didn't. Uh, it's literally just, just one scene. And then, yeah. her de- she's well, and then she's dead. And uh, and it's uh, like it's a big, beautiful like it's really what's great is that like it's classic Hollywood, like red paint for blood stuff. Right. But it's so spattery and nasty. And it's yeah. like, right, half of her face. face. Yeah. And like when they reveal it, they're not they don't just sort of like ride up on it and show you like it cuts to this handheld close up. Yeah. And it's really, I'm just like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, heavy. it's a little jarring. Yeah. It's Even though heavy. the blood color is completely wrong, it's yeah, very it's, jarring. Yeah, it really it really gets me every time. And like, and the scene itself reminds me very much of uh, Third Man. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like there's a little bit of a Third Man element to that. I think it's pretty fantastic. Like it's the scene with the little boy going, you, you, I saw them. They're outside the apartment. You know, and just like, <laughs> oh, fuck. You know, it's Have you go guys realized like, did you ever think when you watch this that something that comes up later, and if you want, I'll bring it up later, but that um, being John Malkovich, the whole movie about the small people was mm-hmm. pretty much like the neighbors when she opened the book. Right. <laughs> right? Exactly. They're the same thing. It was exactly. the same thing. Yeah. I was like, God, it just or- reminded yeah, Ralph me. Ralph you get Orson Bean. Yeah, it's like, yeah, 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 it's, yeah. yeah it's great. That's funny as hell. Oh man, yeah, because it's the same beautiful, like, oh, like cultish nature of, like, it, like both movies do a great job of taking like the, um, like the weird little sort of, uh, 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 shaky, sketchy things that, um, older folks of that generation do, like you know, like the with the mints and thing. It's like the way, the way your grandmother would act, and they make that all part of the cult vibe. <laughs> like it's like they never stop acting like your grandparents but they're just like what if your grandparents act that way because they're satanists and it just it's incredibly good it's unbelievable. it's both really funny and really sinister at the same time they're really incredible right uh so the at this point they're on uh uh they're she's uh Mia Farrow sorry Rosemary says uh, I recognize, know her, so she's contributing to help the cops. That's try to give her her name and mm-hmm. says she was staying with these people. They're in this apartment. Goes that we already know where she was, and so suddenly the the couple show up, right, walking uh, down the street together, apart from everybody else, apart from everyone, completely else. innocent, completely innocent. Huh. They walk in there, and they're like, "What's going on?" The and cast like, events here. They the are. cast events, yes. Mini Castavet and Roman Castavet. Yes. Uh, and, and Roman Castavet, the sickest pink outfit you've ever seen. Yeah. Oh, it was so bizarre, dude. Oh, it's, it's so Just fantastic. walking down that oh, street what happened, was like... What's happened here? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, we, were, we didn't arrange this. What are you talking about? Right. And so they talked to, they, they, they talk to him, and, and this is the first time they actually meet, right? Mm-hmm. This is right. it. And now, now, I guess my question is, like, this my the way I read it, and tell me if this is right, is that uh, the Castavets were uh, grooming the girl who died mm-hmm. to have the daughter of Satan. Right? That's right. Right. Um, she took her life, and instead she killed herself. And probably there was an uh, there was an association with a woman who formerly had that apartment that uh, that uh, the young couple is now in, because like I feel like there's a like that woman, like she could no longer in good conscience conscience do this to the to the woman who 
then later kills herself. So like there's an implied backstory there. And yes. and uh, I think that at this point the cast of Eds do not know anything about uh who has taken over that apartment. And when they when they meet um uh uh the couple for the first time, they're they're not quite dismissive, but they definitely don't show any like any particular not- notable interest uh until Rosemary says oh yeah her brother's in the navy right right and like they like how did you know something so personal about this person and then they see her then they essentially see rosemary for the first time right and go like maybe we have another candidate <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Right, right, right yeah you get that because you're like you're so beautiful darling yeah. Oh, and and that's what I mean. It's like Ruth Gordon is so incredible. Both uh, her and uh, uh, the guy playing Roman are Judd so Apatow? great. Yeah, Judd Apatow yeah. is about very early yeah. role for him, but he looks great. Yeah, but like she's so uh, like in the way that grandparents can be sort of like forcefully attentive. Uh, you know, like the, the touching. And so, oh no, dear, you have to do this. Yeah, blah blah. You look so lovely. Your long, long bones. Blah blah blah. Like, and the overwhelmingness of that kind of they. Well, good. Well, like well-meaning idea, right? But the the tone, the con- in the context, in this context, the tone feels like they are looking over a piece of meat. They're like, oh, they're, they're, look at the marbling on this thing. <laughs> you know, like yeah, yeah a little bit like year us. one, they had yeah. to get it done. Yeah, Do you remember like done. like us? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yes, yeah. exactly. Exactly. <laughs> when the woman is like. <laughs> Checking out her boyfriend, like, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> great. This is a surprise. <laughs> yeah. Good. Okay. Uh, okay. So, uh, so uh, that at this point, it's she's home alone. Uh, Mrs. Castafet comes over, check her out, darling, darling, to see the apartment. Let me see what you did with the place. Oh my god! Like, just the you know what was even more haunting than the fact that she was having Satan's baby. Was having these fucking people like constantly knock on your door. Just like just that was pissing yeah, me off. Exactly. Like just stop knocking on my door. Yeah, like right, yeah. can I and, come in? It's like no, you can't come in. It's right. unbelievably right. annoying. And it that turns, was the other thing on this view. Where I was like, God, I want to punch this woman. This, just so stay great. out of my life. Like that 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 insistence, that like like polite insistence, constantly is the sign of devil worshipers. Like that's, <laughs> like, that's what the movie is saying. And like, even, and, uh, and what's his name? Uh, the husband, uh, 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 Rosemary's husband, uh, like guy, go with guy, guy before the deal is made. Like he calls it immediately. He's just like, we can't invite them over, honey. If they'll we, be over all the time. They'll be over all the time. And he's totally right. <laughs> Ex- except that he's the one that's making it much worse. By the way, yes. uh, uh, Dave Freddy says that Victoria Vecchi turned down the title role of Lolita. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's uh, that's interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm thankful because Sue Lyon, who ended up playing that role, he's a very really good, good actor. <laughs> yes. 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 Victoria, Victoria Vecchi. Uh, Did I, she really turn it down or she's just saying that? Yeah. Like, you know? I, I turned it down. Through Mr. 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 Kubrick's denial of my talents, yeah, I don't mean I don't know her at all. I'm not, if she's, but I don't feel that bad if she's uh, in jail for murder. <laughs> like she's just not a very good actor. Uh, but yes, yeah, uh, that's terrific. Perfect. Okay, and then the other thing he did is, uh, sorry, so she invites them over. It's like I've got a two-inch steak that's defrosting. You and your husband got to come by for dinner. Right? You gotta come by, uh, darling. Right. Darling, oh, oh, oh. right. 
Yeah. And so they do this whole thing. They invite him over for dinner. Husband, husband comes home. He sits down on the couch. She brings him a beer and a snack. He explains how he lost a role to a movie, right? Yes. Right. Or a movie and, or a play or something. Yeah, it's a movie. And it's a, like it's the big – I think actually it's a play. But it's the kind of play that can really put him on the map even if the play is bad. Right. By the way, don't those – the productions that he was in sound like something I would make up. Oh, yeah. Nobody loves an albatross. <laughs> yeah, that is totally me. I was like, wait a minute. That's my that's my gig. I love yeah. that. That's a good one. Fake names. Yeah, that's a good one. No, yeah. nobody loves an albatross. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> nobody loves an annoying lady living next door. <laughs> and, I love uh, albatrosses, though. Yeah, because and every time someone asks about his career, she says exactly the same thing. Yeah, she, it's like a recited line. Yes. My, my husband's an actor. He's been in this thing and this yes. thing and this yes. thing. And he's also on TV. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, and like it's so, like, so when he doesn't get the part, like you suddenly feel the, like, the impending weight of their financial situation sort of hits him. Like, yes. Like, oh, yes. fuck. Right. Like we're on the hook for a really expensive apartment. Because right. I thought I was going to have a breakthrough, and now I'm quite fucked. Right, right, right. Yeah, there is that. That's why he signs up with the devil. That's why. He signs well, up. The, yes. <laughs> no shit. Yeah, okay, so we'll get we'll, we'll get to that. We'll, that, and that's why yeah. the movie happens. Yeah. Okay, so obviously that's the that's the case. Uh, yeah. But uh, okay, so they decide. So let's go to dinner, and and he says no. If we do that, they're going to be over all the time. And he goes, yeah. but we really, you know. I think they were really good friends with the person who used to live here. And it would be, you know, let's just, just say, like, okay, just this one time, just this one time we'll go over for dinner. Right. Um, okay. So, uh, settle in for some, uh, for some dinner and drinks, right. Settle in for at some dinner and drinks. So it's at the Casavets. He makes them these very tall drinks, which are oh, yeah. weird. Awkward... Oh, I seem to have overfilled these glasses. I seem to have overfilled these glasses. <laughs> They're absolutely brimming. Like it's like the meniscus is above the rim of the glasses. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> which is, by the way, in Japan is the, the correct way to serve. Glasses. Oh, it's beautiful. <laughs> if you can put the thing is like, that's the, if you can put the glass down without spilling it, then that shit, that's the classy maneuver. That's why martini glasses are, are, are so insidious. Like, it, right. They they make it impossible to drink without sloshing, and it sort of polices your the level of your drunkenness. Right. Uh, yeah. Hey, I heard an interesting little story. I didn't really realize this about uh, martinis uh, and James Bond. What's that? So we all know that James Bond likes his martinis, a vodka martini, shaken, shaken not stirred. Right? right. Now. I find that's ridiculous because a shaken martini is the watery martini. It's a watery martini, <laughs> right? right? And 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 I prefer, you know, to have a stirred martini mm -hmm. because therefore it doesn't bruise the gin. Plus, I like right. gin better than. Anyway, the reason he had it shaken, not stirred, and had it vodka is because he didn't want it to smell like alcohol. Number one, number mm -hmm. two. He wanted it to be very watery so he wouldn't be affected by the alcohol, especially oh, the top smart. drinks. Yes. So it was actually a way for him to... It's a spy trick. It's a spy trick. It's a spy trick. I love that. That's pretty great. I accept that. That's yeah. That's so I was like, okay. Because I thought he was like, oh, you like shitty martinis. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing that that movie got everyone to start ordering it that way. And it's like... That's, that's it's be, a shitty that's martini. A martini, dude. <laughs> yeah. But it's just funny. They think it's a classy way to order yes. martini. Oh, shaken nuts, stirred. Okay, do you want me to put an extra fifth of water in there as well? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> anyway, uh, 
Okay, so where was he? Oh, right. So, uh, so they're having their dinner. Apparently, the dinner tasted horrible. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Really. Well, they, and there's a, and they start this whole like very clever little thing where it's like the European attitude of the Castavets, right? Right. They're like, name uh, a place I've been there. Name a place. Name I've a place been. I've been there. Oh, I've been there. I've been to Alaska. I've been to like all this stuff right. of weird bragginess. And like when he gives them, when they give them food, and they're constantly feeding rosemary throughout the entire movie. Right. Like there's this weird sort of like. It's from another place on the earth. That's why it tastes strange. Like this drink that I'm giving you is it's from Australia. So like, so you can see them like when they take a sip of it, they're like, this is a little bit fucking weird, whatever this is. But because right. it's from Australia, it's very, it's very cosmopolitan to drink it here. Right. And so they let it pass when it's just like, this tastes like shit. <laughs> like it clearly tastes like shit. They don't want to drink it, but they're drinking it to be polite. And right. that, you know, the politeness gag, the politeness is, gag. Yeah. is the is how the devil gets you like this like it nobody wants don't want to hurt their feelings don't offend anyone right exactly. so no one says it how it really is right yeah it's right. like well, there's a line in girl with a dragon tattoo when uh when uh what's his name daniel craig james bond uh you know he has found out who the murderer is he has gone to the murderer's house to find evidence of his murderousness the murderer comes home and catches james bond trying to run away from the house and then pretends like everything's fine and 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 very polite was like oh come in for a drink and daniel craig's like okay and then the then but he all, know and he, even though he has clear evidence he knows, that he is the he murderer and yet he killer. still goes in and 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 the, when the serial killer captures him he says to uh, daniel craig it's like it's so funny how like um, the fear of being impolite will overwhelm the fear of pain, but there it is. Like this, like people would rather be impolite, rather be in pain than be impolite. And all of Rosemary's Baby hinges on this very thing. Like, mm. The Castavets are incredibly pushy and insinuative, and uh, oh, and constantly. I really did want your, to shoot her. Oh, she just drown, in your drown her in the Central time. Park in the lake pond. Lake exactly. There. And like, and she's uh, like, she's so like, honey. you don't want to feel, you don't want to make her feel bad. And like, and like the few times that Rosemary like puts her off or says maybe to maybe some other time, she's like, oh, well, of course, you know, I mean, you're just hurting an old lady. And you're like, oh, Christ. Yeah. <laughs> so good. It's amazing. so good. Uh, uh, yeah. And the food, you can tell the steak is overcooked. She's having a hard time cutting it. Like, yeah. it's just, yeah, everything's every, wrong. Everything's, everything's wrong. wrong. Yeah. Everything's wrong. Right. Uh, anyway, and then, uh, by the way, apparently Mia, well, I'm going to get to that in a second. Um, so then there's another classic scene. I, I've been, all these scenes of the women in the kitchen doing the dishes while the men are oh, yeah. in the living room smoking yep. cigarettes, right? Yep. yep. So loads of this. Yeah. Loads of it. Lots of that stuff. So they are in the kitchen. They are cleaning the dishes. The two women, you know, that the men, you just see that the men are in the living room. Cause all you see is like cigarette smoke from the doorway. Right. Right. But they're chatting there. You have no idea what they're talking about. Right. That's an important part of it, obviously. It's, uh, yeah, like they're, they're like they've successfully separated Rosemary and her husband, and so Ruth Gordon is talking to Rosemary separately, and and the 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 men are having some men discussion somewhere else. Right, and that's where the deal goes down. That's where the deal goes down, right? But you don't know that. So they leave. Finally, they go back. They they laugh about the quality of the meal, mm -hmm. right? Uh, 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 oh, and hold on a second. All oh, right, they laugh by the quality meal, but then the husband says, "Oh, wait, I gotta go back. <laughs> I gotta talk some more." Right? Mm -hmm. Doesn't he do that? 
Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But like suddenly now he wants to hang out with them. Now like, he wants to hang out with them all yeah. the time. Like prior to the prior to the dinner, like he's like, oh fuck that. I don't want like old people in our lives. That sucks. And uh, and now he's just like, oh yeah, Minnie and Roman. Yeah, Minnie and Roman. Yeah, that's right. Hang out with them all the time. Yeah. And then she says she asks, is like, I wonder why they took all the pictures down. Yeah, exactly. It's like one all... picture and it doesn't fit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, like this, uh, like the the set design of their of their apartment is so hysterically funny. Like it's basically a grandmother's version of Dracula's castle. <laughs> <You know? laughs> that is a good point. <laughs> like, and it's and like nobody's saying anything. You're just like, this is really weird. Like, no one's gonna say this is weird. This is very weird. And, but right. no one wants to offend, and that's why they get trapped. Yep. Um, okay. Uh, at then this point, uh, at one point, she's she's home alone. She's r- r- listening to records and reading a book. She's having her 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 me time, right? <laughs> the doorbell rings, and it's Minnie and this other woman with the weird glasses. Uh, another one you want to punch? Oh, yeah. she's a she's awesome, man. She's a like you really hate her. She's so yeah. annoying. And they they just sort of like I gotta show her the apartment. Do you mind? And then just barge right into the house. It's like yep. okay. And then they say it's like let's and they bring their needlepoint. And they, yeah, and they sit down and they bring their needlepoint and they start knitting in the living room. Like, let's do this because this is what ladies do. We sit right. around doing our needlepoint and That's knit right. and right. gossip. Right. Yep. And no, she's like, so "But funny. yeah, yeah." But it's because you know, yeah, like they like they force this uh, these patterns into their lives. You know, it's just like men talk in the smoking room about important things, and women go and do these things, and they come in with all their friends and force that to be the case. Right. Like they just make it happen and you, and it's unavoidable. Like you're just like, fuck, you know, like they, like Minnie comes plowing in there and she's, she doesn't stop talking the whole time. Right. You know? And like, she doesn't like, is it like, there's a, there's a scene where she is closing the door, still talking to Rosemary and Minnie is the one who's closing the door. She closes the door on her own sentence. Right. <laughs> or you're just like, do you ever, ever shut up? Is that even possible? Right. Yeah. But it's actually her mechanism to uh, keep people from reacting. Like, right. She fills the room constantly. And that's her method of manipulation. And so, like, methods of manipulation are key to how Polanski makes the movie work. Like, how Rosemary's husband manipulates her, how she manipulates him for what she wants, and how the cast of it's, like barge in and make everybody do their bidding all the time yeah also dave Reese said that also bond wanted his martinis shaken because it's harder to spike them with a foreign substance stirring can be done uh uh stirring can be done away from the customer but shaken then poured happens in front of the customer more more uh, spy stuff i love it more spy stuff yeah right i love it that's great so all right uh hmm. didn't know that yeah that's yes. great that's a good one uh, so also, uh, so then Minnie gives her a charm, exactly the same charm as she gave the other woman. That's the that, stinky that one. Weird, the stinky one. Uh, so that's interesting thing that happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then she doesn't want to wear it because it stinks. Right. Puts it aside. Yeah. Fuck this Puts thing. it aside. And her husband is like, but you'll offend them if you don't wear it. Yeah. You'll offend them. Right. Yeah. I'm going to wear something that smells like fungus. Right. Because I don't want to offend someone. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, man. It smells like it smells like dirty toes. <laughs> like yeah. and they point it out so often 
That, like yeah. you start to smell it in the movie. You're like, I know what that must smell like. That's like a yeah. rain. I know. Shoe. There's that reaction that you feel, even though you've never smelled it. Yeah, yeah. it's really something. It's got a it's got a a, a polyester feel to it. Polyester <laughs> when he shoves yeah. the shoe in her face. Yeah, you're like, <laughs> yeah, it's so good, so good. You guys don't know if polyester was originally a scratch and sniff film, right? Came with yes, cards. that's right in uh, Odorama. In Odorama, <laughs> and you had numbers like whenever something smelly was happening, there was a number on the screen, and you had to yeah. s- scratch that it. number and smell it. <laughs> so, so, so silly. okay. Um, so John Waters, by the way, is directing a new movie. I heard 18, eighteen years uh, off of his book. Uh, that just what was the out. last movie that he directed? And like what serial mom maybe no serial mom no he did he did uh no it's the one low down dirty no yeah low down dirty shame down was dirty the last shame. one yeah. but then what was the one i know but what was the one with the boy from uh from uh from the the, the kid from um uh terminator 2 Edward Pecker. Yeah, Pecker. Pecker, that's right with the photographer one yeah, that one was one of the better ones he did later. Because Low Down Dirty yes, Shame yep. was not that good. Yeah, it was Johnny like, Knoxville and yeah. Tracy Ullman, right? Yeah, like he's like, yeah. uh, like mo- most like most artists, he became he just got a little softer, kinder edge uh, to him as he got older, and that doesn't do him any favors. You know, what? I disagree because I think sometimes he does some like when he did polyester. I mean, not polyester. Uh, 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 hairspray. Hairspray was really good. Oh, that was it's, softer, so, yeah. right? And yeah, so it, it was Serial Mom. Message, yeah, exactly. And so was Serial Mom. Serial Mom was yeah. really good. Yeah, but uh, I think that yeah, and yeah, Crybaby. Yeah, I like Crybaby. Crybaby. Yeah, but like he is, so, like he he gets a little bit. And this happened to Woody Allen, and this it's just like he gets they they lose some of their sharpness, and I think it's hard. It's hard. I don't know why it's hard to hang on to for people, but well, you can't keep yeah, making. Really you can't keep making pink flamingos and you know, pink flamingos female, and female trouble. Yeah. But do you need to if you've made stuff that cool? I mean, sure, it's, it's true. It's true. It's just like like I so much of my and this is just a personal thing. It's just like I admire uh, that kind of transgressiveness uh, so much that I'm always a little bit sad when things. Change. It's just like ah, uh, it's it's cute. This is now cute, but like I really I miss the old divine. And the and the and the poodle, <laughs> where you're like, oh shit, <laughs> yeah, that's the stuff. Yeah. Uh, okay, so let's see what else is happening. So this, uh, so she gets the charm. Uh, oh, right, he gets home. He gets a phone call that the guy who suddenly was supposed to play his role has gone blind. <laughs> Weird. The guy took it. Took it. Took took the role away from him. Has gone blind. Yes. Oh no. So now Which is like it's one thing if he like he was in a car accident, then you'd be like, oh, I guess that just happens. But sometimes. there's such a such a biblical thing about it. Yeah. It's like he's, he went blind. He, woke he up, really. He was yeah. smote. <laughs> yeah, he was smote by the forces of the devil. Yes. Yeah. Uh, when when he later talks on the phone with her, do you, do you recognize what the voice was? No, it is Tony Curtis. Oh, is no. it really? Yes, Tony Curtis. And they and when they and they didn't tell Mia Farrow when they did the scene because they used the live recording from the phone and you can see her trying to figure out who the fuck this is like i know this voice but it's, it is in fact why a, was it tony a, curtis i just it's like a gag they want to pull him on to the set for one day you know he's a much more famous person than that in those days obviously right and uh and uh and she couldn't like she said like i couldn't quite place him and, uh, right but now i was just watching i was like, i believe that's tony curtis i looked it up and it was a practical joke wow there you go tony that's curtis interesting all right, 
and so then uh, he comes, she comes home. She's been feeling like he's been distant for a while. Mm-hmm. He's been sort of dismissive of, dismissive of her. Mm-hmm. And so he, put, he, he has all these roses everywhere and says, let's have a baby. Let's do this right now. Let's do this right now. And he's like, look, I even put it on the calendar, like all ready to go. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so she's very excited because she wants to start a family. Mm-hmm. And so they start making a romantic dinner. They're going to have everything. And they're doing their, their normal <sighs> thing. And then the doorbell rings. It's like, no, no, no. It's like, don't worry, don't worry. I'll get rid of them. Let's, let's, you know. And so she go, he goes to talk to them. And he's like, don't let him in. Don't let him in. Don't let him in. This is a perfect example of Rosemary's great flaw. Because she doesn't say, don't answer it. Like, we're having a romantic dinner. Don't answer it. Right, because she knows the fucking cast of Eds. She knows it, right? Right. Uh, instead, she makes this sort of like plea, like, "Oh, do we really have to?" To the kind of stuff, and like, and then she whispers to herself what she really wants, yeah, and right. and it's the opposite of what she's allowed to have happen. Right. You know, she does not like. She is. She does not take control, and that's why she is open for uh, abuse. And that's, uh, I'm that's curious what to talk to you about the ending now. Yes, it's very interesting. <laughs> it's uh, really strange. Yeah, Punji is, by the way, is the name of the John Waters film that's coming out. What he's working on? Oh, I can't wait. It's gonna be great. Okay, so uh, so they, apparently, instead of barging in, they decided to drop off dessert. That's <laughs> so right. A couple of chocolate mousses. I was like mm-hmm. they gave us dessert. Look at that. These look delicious. Here's yours. Say, yeah, here's yours, and yeah. here's mine. Yes. Very make sure that she yes. gets the right one. Yeah, but the one with the doily is the decaf. That's how you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so she starts to eat it, and she goes, It's got a weird chocolate under chalky undertaste. Chalky, chalky undertaste. undertaste. And he's like, I don't like it. I'm not gonna eat it. Oh, goes, you gotta eat it. Yeah, she made it. it. She she can't made it for you. you. gotta you, you can't offend her. And it was so weird how he just like it starts to be pushy about yeah, it. This guy and then he then he uh he's like fine. I mean you don't have to eat it. it's fine. You don't have to eat it. And she's like, oh I don't have to I'll eat it. I'll eat it. And then yeah, yeah, reverse yeah. psychology makes her reverse eat. psychology. And then so she does, and then she eats a little bit of it, and then she hides the rest in, in her napkin in her napkin, and pretends that she ate the whole thing. Yep. Right? At which point she starts walking down the hall, and, you know, they, they need to have, go make a baby. But she walks on, and she starts feeling really dizzy. Right. And uh, he picks her up and puts her in bed and starts to undress her so she's more comfortable. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and she's like, she's basically passing out. Right. Now, do you uh, think that's because the moose was drunk? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> I mean, it's, I was it's like, pretty uh... obvious. Yeah. 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 Yes. I'm not, l- listen, th- the fact that this thing is so obvious is not what makes it scary. It, well, that's well, it makes it funny. Like, that's, yeah. Like, the, the joy of it is like the things that are happening are so obvious to the audience that. Uh, that you're going, please, please, just be aware of what is happening around. But here's the thing: was it really aware to the audience in 1966? I think it's well. To be fair, yeah, I think it's it's a little on the fence because in in this way, like because a, it wasn't as cliche back then as it is now. Yeah, even then, even then they they play it up and it, like it's very pointed when it happens, right? And I think what's going on really is that what they're trying to do is they're trying to make you aware of. The cliche 
enough so you think i wonder if if this is really happening or i'm just being put in the into the position of thinking it's happening right and so like the in the end it's not none of it was real um uh versus like oh it must be an actual plot um and i think that like that's what he's having fun with is like how much do you yourself walking into the movie believe in this nonsense you know and because like that once uh, here uh, interviews with polanski like there's a similarity between this and richard donner's the omen right and i love the omen i think the omen is, is terrible fun and richard donner uh is like this movie like uh what's funny to like this movie is incredibly fun to me and incredibly funny because i'm making a movie for people who believe in the supernatural when nothing supernatural happens in the movie and mm. And from Donner's point of view, he's like, I, it was my job to convince the audience to be on the side of Gregory Peck, who is going to be murdering his son. Right. And if we can bring the audience over on that, that that's the real horror movie. Okay. Like, so if that was his singular focus while he was making the film, what do you think Polanski's was? Well, with Polanski, I think that he is just had, like he is having fun writing the line. I think that like for something he's aware. But of what's the line? Is what I'm saying. I, I if his that... goal, if if Donner's goal was to, you know, put that spin on the fact that he's going to kill his son, right? What is what is that singular sentence that he was constantly reminding himself on and how he shot things? Right. I think I think that what it's saying there is like how what he's asking the audience is how baked in is your belief in in what uh, her situation. is? Like, but you knew that nobody was going to believe her because she was very fey, like, ah. right, right, exactly. And that's a little typecasting too, because she was mm -hmm. kind of wealthy and little. Well, I think, I think, like, I think there's something, uh, there's something. It's like how Stanley Kubrick. We've brought this up before. It's like Stanley Kubrick cast Ryan O'Neill and Barry Lyndon because Ryan O'Neill, uh, forgive me, Ryan, you're like, he's not of the same acting caliber no. as the rest of the cast. Right. And that is what makes it work. Just like with the laundromat woman, it's like his, he is so out of his depth uh, in all these scenes that it becomes very funny that everyone else is like, you're a fucking boob. Like, you're an idiot. And the audience is feeling it as well. And with, uh, there's a cruelty to it in casting like that, but there's an accuracy that's hard to get around. And I think that there's a little bit of that in how Polanski feels about Pharaoh. Like, I think that Pharaoh, like, I think he sees Pharaoh a little tiny bit like she's charming and she's sexy and it's great you know but he sees that she is a manipulative person in real life and that's the opinion he seems to have and he's uh, Polanski? A, 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 a Polanski feels like this is a tricky person like she's attractive and she's funny and she's charming but he cast her because she does this thing so well of like getting people to act in the way that she needs them to act to support her. And I think that that's, that's true for say her choices in her life and how she interacted with other famous people and why, you know, um, uh, you know, uh, what's her name wrote the song about her with, you know, beware, beware young girls. Like she's, she's a very smart and very, uh, canny person in a kind of dangerous way in a soft, but dangerous way. And I think that's why you cast her. I mean, she's incredibly effective at it. She's a natural. And she, and she, so she is like both the hero of the movie in terms of like, she is the one who is suffering, but she's also kind of in that she tries to control the scene through indirect means constantly 
that's actually the thing that fucks her over later. Like, because she's in, unable to control things directly. She uses every tool at her disposal to control them indirectly. And that ends up empowering the people that she's fighting against. Right. Very so right. I think that, that, I think that Polanski's aware of that. And so like, when you, when you look at how the setup of the movie lies, like he's picking her on purpose to see if she can sort of, uh, man, sort of maneuver her way out of the situation, the, uh, the character. And, uh, and Pharaoh is particularly deft at delivering this. And so his idea is like, how sensitive are you as an audience member? Uh, not to the supernaturalness of it, but to, is this a, is this real or not is the question of the movie. And what it says about you to believe one thing over the other is the horror movie for you. Like, is this metaphorical about feminism or is this, uh, actual about, about, uh, your feel your spiritual feelings because Christianity was a big deal back then. You know, and he is, he's trying to push the audience gently one way or the other to freak them out. And I think that's, you get two different audiences experiencing this. Yes. Yes. Um, okay. So where were we? Okay. Right. So she's passed out in bed. Right. And, uh, he's, uh, then we go into a dream sequence, which was re one of the best. It's one, it's the great dream sequence of all time. It is the, yes. it's like this and David Lynch movies. That's it. Right. It's amazing. Yeah. By the way, if you guys know Helmut Newton, the photographer. Yeah. Great. Great. Photographer. Like yeah. there's so much I saw of like Newton in there. This kind of, un, yeah. this kind of like this strange kind of surreal sexuality. And, yeah. and, um, it was really, it's like, God, that's Helmut Newton. Newton. Yeah. I, Cause I actually think about, I think about this dream sequence or the dream sequences in the movie all the time. And like the tools he uses to make it work. They're like they're just little it's like with how he makes things creepy it's like these little tiny choices that add up right. um and so like there's a like there's an immediate sense for realism with the photography like he uses a wide angle lens he's sort of like always active with the camera but then like he mutes the sound and intentionally dubs things and has other non-digestive yeah, sound design is really perfect right i thought if we were going to deep fake any film it would be us in the dream sequence yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Just, I, I want to be this captain who goes, look, oh, on the over boat. there. Right. No, and on then the turns boat. around, yeah. Yeah, yeah. with the binoculars. So, so the way that it, the, the dream sequence Dan, you can be her is, in a bikini. I will definitely bikini. Yeah. 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 The, 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 the The way that the dream sequence works is that it's she's in bed. She's starting to pass out. But the bed is, or everything around her is the bed in water. Like yes. She imagines she's floating in water, yes. right? Yeah. Which is very surreal. Uh, and then she's on a boat and then just surrounded by a bunch of old people on the boat. Let's well, all these strange, weird old mm -hmm. people on the boat. And right? the cat, the captain turns into Roman Castavet. Yes. And, uh, and the, uh, and the uh, elevator operator is, uh, is the, uh, first mate. Right. And, uh, and he's like, you'd best get below miss. You, know? you best get the <laughs> like, right? Like, and it's like, it's so, and you're hearing the whole time you're hearing muted, other dialogue, right. uh, which is actually coming from what is Reality. really happening around her. Right. Right. Uh, and then there's some Sistine Chapel stuff that they yeah. throw in there. Yeah. Pretty yeah. wild. It's like, it comes, comes up off of her face and then start, and you're just with your, she's it's in like, the Sistine Chapel. Like yeah. but it's a, it's not the real Sistine Chapel. You can tell it's a, 
Yeah, it's it's painted. it's got. I don't think the Sistine Chapel would fucking let them within no. twenty feet of this movie. No way. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, it's great. She's up on like the uh, a paint, a painting scaffold, right? Uh, and it uh, and it pans off down the length of the ceiling. Really right. beautiful. No, yeah, she's on like it looks like she's on a rack somehow, right? Yeah, yeah, it's really great. Uh, and then uh, <laughs> and then she's in she's still in bed. She's she can see things, mm-hmm. but she thinks she's dreaming, mm-hmm. right? She's surrounded by old people that are all naked mm-hmm. <laughs> around her, right? Yep. And uh, it, it is a it is just a disturbing shot to be looking down Mia Farrow's body at a bunch of naked old people, right, are, staring are, at her. Yeah, which it's just it's upsetting in every which way, right? And, uh, and they're kind of sexy in a weird way. What? <laughs> I mean, hey man, I I definitely love the one. I love Ruth Gordon. But, oh, yeah. Ever since the Harold Maude, I'm just like, oh my gosh. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. And then the husband's there and he mm-hmm. says, I think she's awake. She's yeah. awake. And she, and, uh, and uh, Minnie says, no, if she ate the moose, she's not awake. The mouse. Ate the, the mouse. She's not awake. Yeah, exactly. she ate the mouse. She's not awake. Yeah. And uh, so like, obviously she did not eat enough of the mouse. <laughs> right. Yeah. Cause she yeah. has the great line, the classic Rosemary's David line. This is no dream. This, this is really happening to me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And to, and what's happening is that someone is on top of her and turns out it's, you can see, but all, you don't really see the person, mm-hmm. but you can see it's got monstrous hands and, uh, you know, monster eyes. Mm-hmm. That's about all you see. Yeah. But yeah. she yeah. is getting raped by a monster. Yes. Yeah. And uh, she is not, doesn't quite know what's going on. And what, uh, and what, and like he's, what he's the master of is like all this stuff, like it has all the tropes of a Hollywood horror movie, you know, in right. terms of like, it's like, this is what you'd see in the devil's reign or any of this stuff, you know, and big like monster mittens on and whatever. Um, but, <laughs> but at the same time, like the, the, the goofiness adds to the surreality of it. Like it sort of admits that it's silly and then makes it scary. Like it's right. it's really really wild. How it's like we were saying the same thing with Blonde, where it's like Blonde uses its, um, like the corny Marilyn imagery that everyone knows, to the effect of getting at real painful emotions. And this is the same thing here. He's just like this stuff. Like this is basically a werewolf costume, and we are going to fucking freak you out with it. Right. <laughs> just amazing. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, really, really freaky. Anyway. She then wakes up in bed, in her normal bed. Mm-hmm. She's naked, but she wakes up. And we, we've always established that she goes to bed naked. Mm-hmm. That's fine. But she wakes up, and as she gets out of bed, you can see there's all these scratches on her, on, on her, on her side. Oh her back. This is the worst of Cassavetes for me. This is, this is when you're like, I guess you a shot, you're a fucking man. villain. Yes. <laughs> like, if and there's with, no monsters, and, you're and a She villain. goes, what happened? And she looks at all these scratches, and, and he looks at her and goes, I swear I filed them down this morning. Like, yeah. he's looking at, it, at his fingers. And she and goes, she's what? Like, he goes, well, I didn't want to miss baby's night. Yeah. And she goes... Yeah, but I was. You could have waited till this morning or later. He goes, this, it was kind of fun in a necrophilia kind of way. Oh, like dude. it was bizarre. That is, that's like walk out of the apartment right there. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. I was just like what the. And fuck the fact that she doing? doesn't is like exactly, exactly. Like he plays it off like it's a silly joke, and she's like, I guess. <laughs> you're like, yeah, and she goes, no, I, I was, no, my I dreamt that I was being raped. And he goes, yeah. Well, that's kind of so nice of you. And like, I was like, I'm, you're the 
Mm. <laughs> like, again, <laughs> right. if there's no monster and it's just him, he's still a fucking horrible person. <laughs> oh my god, I know, <laughs> I know, it's really really bad. Thing. Yeah. Anyway, at this he's point, oh, it's so, it's, this is this is where he really starts. That, that what, point, what point in the film do you realize, or at least on the your second or third viewing, that you start to realize that you know what, no one will ever believe her. Yeah, there's just no way out. There's just no way out. Like everyone, she you, meets you, you just are like, yeah, she's no one's. Everyone's just going to you know, like, look like Charles Grodin. Like you're when, just freaking like, when Charles crazy. Grodin. It, like not when later on when uh, the Charles Grodin reveal happens, but when Charles Grodin agrees to help her, I was like, she's fucked. Oh, well, that's 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 to me that's the exact same scene from the exact same scene from the tenant, which we'll get to in a second. Yeah, right. Because like, yeah, like, they, this is the kind of thing where if someone like the moment someone in a movie like this, right? This because I, I actually just watched Invasion of the Body Snatchers in seventy nine with Donald Sutherland. Like the moment, yes, yeah, what a fucking incredible movie that is. Um, the moment some someone who you are on the fence about says. I believe you in a movie like this, you're dead. Yeah. <laughs> like <Yeah>. that's it. <laughs> that's like yeah. cough cancer. Like it's, it's exactly <laughs> the same thing. <laughs> like Leonard Nimoy in, uh, in invasion of the body snatchers after they give him the big spiel. He goes, you know what, David, I believe you. And you're like, they're all going to fucking get eaten. <laughs> like that's it. Yeah. This is the false home moment. And now they're screwed. Amazing. Okay. Uh, so, as you said, she now goes to the doctor to see if she's pregnant, right? Mm-hmm. And they're, they're uh, basically says, I bet you you're pregnant. It's like, you don't know that, et cetera. And they make a bet for a quarter about whether she's pregnant or not, right? Mm-hmm. So she goes to the doctor and she says, I'll bet you a quarter that I'll rape you at night. Nobody will <laughs> Seriously. And I'll uh, scratch your sure. back. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, well, maybe be. not me, but someone I know will. Somebody I know. He lives <laughs> up the hall. <laughs> I bet you a quarter you're going to get raped by the devil. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Let's phrase. go wash me on TV it's, with Yama. We say that in Queens all the time. Oh, I gotta geez. act. I gotta get back to my acting. And his acting yeah. is like he's got to play someone with crutches, and he's just walking around with crutches all day long. Which is <laughs> so so, so that, that, is, that is how much he has. Acting. That's it's yeah. It's such a parody of method acting. Is exactly it's what it is. Hysterically funny. It's oh really funny. God. Like it's, fucking, it's a really big role for you. Yeah, yeah. it's a really big role. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I love, I love because he like Kesmedis is a great actor and he's awesome in this movie. But yeah. I love when uh, when uh, great actors are playing actors who are bad actors. Like that's what yes. my favorite gags. Well, it's that's hysterical. the best way to be a play a bad actor is to yeah. do that. It's so funny. It's well, like we, Naomi, we talked Naomi about Watts this on uh, Naomi Watts exactly, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Okay. So, uh, so then she she goes to see uh, Charles. Uh, Charles, Charles Grodin, Grodin. Who, yeah. who plays a doctor, and he's like, "Yep, you're, you know, you're pregnant, uh, and but you know, I need you to, uh, you know, we're gonna set you up with all these vitamins and stuff like that, or whatever." And so she, uh, she, she comes home and uh, gets a phone call saying, "Yes, you're pregnant," but uh, uh, the good news is she's very excited, very happy about it, and goes, but I want you to come back in. I need to do some more blood work. Something about your blood sugar. He goes, more blood work. Okay. It's like, but does this mean I'm not pregnant? It's like, no, no, no. You're definitely pregnant. It's just that I need to do more blood work. As he explains, she goes, right. blood work. So she goes to a calendar, writes down blood, blood sugar. Blood. <laughs> like, that's right. my favorite. It's such a great horror movie shot. It's just like blood written in red. <laughs> written in red on the calendar in the kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Yeah. Uh, right. 
And so this is the one that really gets to me, right? Uh, so the husband comes home and she's holding a quarter out for him, meaning that she lost the bet and that announcing to him that she's pregnant right. and goes, and he looks at her and goes, what's this? He goes, you were right. And he goes, oh yeah, great. <laughs> like, yeah, uh, the way he act, act reacts to her being pregnant is like, Oh, practically so pushing fun. her away yeah. as she's announcing that she's like, pregnant. He as actually he I, actually leaves. He like goes to put his coat. Yeah. Oh, yeah. to tell him what the fuck? <laughs> like, yeah, that's an instant hug situation if there ever was one. And you're right. Like, oh, I'm just gonna go sneak. Gonna put my whole coat down. Yeah. yeah. Well, he's going to tell the neighbors. That's the, oh, well, yeah, the, well, like, hold on. Yeah, yeah. but but. The thing that's interesting is like I don't like I can't tell if he has remorse for what he's done to her. He's disgusted by her. He's disgusted he's by disgusted her. Disgusted by her. That is yeah. what's going on. He is like he is he is I don't I don't think that guy is capable of actual remorse whatsoever. I, don't, I I think he's a pure pure narcissist and everything is through the lens of how it affects him. Like he's not I can't believe I did this to my wife because he was in the fucking room. <laughs> like right. we better believe it. Like he wants her to be unconscious so she doesn't remember that he was there. Like right. he wants to get away with it. Like, right. Yeah, and you can tell how weak he is because at the end he's kind of hiding in the corner covering he's his face. Such, oh, what a weasel. Oh yeah. man. This actually not to go off on a big tangent, but I'll be a very small tangent. With uh and not to get super political, but with everything <laughs> going on with Trump and uh, the January 6th committee. I can't believe we're still talking about this shit. This yeah. fucking thing. I, I was listening to, you know, they're, what, arresting the uh, their, uh, convicted Steve Bannon on uh, contempt of uh, Congress, and you know, he's going to go to jail for four months, supposedly, which probably isn't going to happen. But, like, what struck me is all these guys, Trump and Bannon and all these dudes, are all going like, oh, no! I never meant anything like, oh, no, no, it's totally misinterpreted, blah, 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 blah. When obviously, this is exactly what they're doing. Like, it's bald-faced, exactly what they're doing. And I was like, I would, I like, I would still think you're terrible, but I would have the slightest amount of respect if you stood up and said, yes, because we want to change how America works and we're standing up for what we believe in. Instead, they're the worst fucking little weasels you could possibly imagine they try to lie their the, way the, out at every turn that's because there's certain they they have to say the big words in front of their fans and then in front of congress they have to lie in order not to get you it know it's mind-blowing like i mean there well, are how much you're getting away with they're getting like, away with it if they if, they, if they're I getting help, away with it i don't know why you're why you're like they're weasels they're not I, weasels they're totally getting away no with no it. no like they're getting they're still weasels they're, they're weasels who are getting away with it what i'm surprised is that they're such obvious weasels that anyone supports them i'm just like how does this that's because that's a, they get their news from different sources that don't play them that way oh my god it's, it's, it drives it's, me it's, mad yeah like, no no there no. are actual like, i bet uh, there, there's nothing that nothing that portrays them as a weasel on fox trust me these guys are like it's like there are if they if I give them all the credit in the world like these are revolutionaries and they're doing something they really believe in like if if the actual revolutionaries in America you know during the Revolutionary War got pulled in by Britain and said like it seems like you're trying to uh, secede from our whole kingdom situation and create a new country and they're like oh not me no what are you talking about George George Washington's pointing the other way no it was Andrew Jackson what are you talking about it was that guy. Like right. fuck you! I wouldn't follow you down the hall. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? Well, anyway, that's not that's how it's being portrayed. Anyway, let's go back to yeah, this. Man, right. So he, like, like Eric says, 
he, he's much more interested in telling the neighbors about the pregnancy mm-hmm. than anyone else. And she's you like, know what I'd, love to do? To... I'd love to tell Minnie and Roman. And she's like, yeah. what? what? <laughs> <laughs> it's too soon. Right. And like, no, no, no. But they wrote, here's they the really... champagne. <laughs> right. What? We don't have champagne, but we have, we have what, a red wine. Right. Yeah. It's a pretty good Bordeaux. Actually. My, my daughter, Sam, when she was watch this, she's like, I love when you write a what with a period at the end of it. What? <laughs> like that, is, that is me a pharaoh in that moment. That funny. Right. Uh, and so uh, she explains how she needs to go back to the doctor. And they're like, no, 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 no. We have the best doctor. Let's give you our doctor. Doctor, what's his name? Saperstein. Saperstein. Like, he is the best. He's like one of the, he's, he treats all the big Hollywood celebrities, That's like right. all this stuff, right? Played by Ralph Bellamy from Trading Places. Ralph, well, Ralph Bellamy is a very big actor. He's done well, a yeah, huge but one. For most everyone's going to be like, oh, that's the he's tra- Yeah, he's, he's uh, uh, Mortimer from... Yes. Mortimer? Mortimer. Yeah, yeah. A bacon, lettuce, and tomato sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> that guy. Yes. So Ralph Bellamy is... A, and he does... Yeah, he's, in fact, right behind me here. Yeah, right my, there uh, you go. Yes. That's yes. Ralph Bellamy. That's the guy. Uh, and uh, his instructions of what she needs to do is she needs to... Uh, drink no no vitamins. Drink the herbs, uh, uh, things that uh, the neighbor is going to give her every day. Yeah, right. Which obviously looks like blue cheese mixed in milk. Yeah. Oh, it's horrible. <laughs> it's so and nasty. and and also, do not read any books. The best line. The best line. Yeah, don't I want to make sure you're good and stupid. Yes. Don't read. Do any not books. educate yourself. Pretend. Yeah. Yep. This don't, is really don't bad. Don't listen to your friends. Don't read. Don't listen books. to your friends. Don't read this. <laughs> don't lose that, right? Yep. She is starting to feel sick. She's losing weight. She calls the doctor. She goes, Do you think I could have an eptopic pregnancy? Right. And he goes, No. I told you, you're fine. What Stop are you reading. Sounds like you've been reading books there, Rosemary. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. The fantasy of ectopic pregnancies. Yeah. <laughs> the fairy tale. Yeah, yeah, no, those are serious. Those are very, very, yeah, we'll very, just, very serious. Kill yeah. yes. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so um, uh, anyway, so that she uh, he keeps that telling her about tennis root, right? It's tennis root, right? Yes, yes. Uh, I remember that because the um, in Raiders Lost Ark, it's the uh, it's the uh, it's the tomb of Tannis, right? The tomb of Tannis, right? Okay. Yeah. Oh, and Walton Singler is here. Hey, Walton Singler. Walton Singler. Uh, good hello, hello. Good to see him. Um, okay, so where are we now? Uh, right, so... Um, okay. Uh, she, so she's getting sicker. She's getting, she's getting pretty... Uh, uh, not feeling well at all. Hutch wants to meet her for lunch. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is... Yeah, Hutch has, uh, Hutch has come over and met Roman, right? Like, Roman right. came by while Hutch was visiting with her. And because Hutch was like... That's a little bit weird that they're asking to drink this fucking funny shit and this thing smells bad and what's going right. on with this? And right, then right, right. Ro- Roman suddenly just shows up. They're just like, right. oh, hello, hello, and sort of insinuates himself into the conversation. And right. clearly Roman is like, I don't want you talking to this. The, uh, the eyes that he's given the guy are like, we got to get you out of the picture. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah this yeah. is bad news. You are coming in here with some facts and that's not going to help. That's not going to work, right? Right. And so... Uh, they steal his glove. 
they, they steal, steal they steal one of his gloves this is an important part well they don't you don't see them stealing you just realize that he's missing a glove before right. he leaves only later on do you realize that these guys are running in and out of that apartment literally all the time that's <laughs> right. so weird and so uh, the other thing that happens is uh so so he calls her he says i need to meet you tomorrow well, let's meet at 11 o'clock in uh at at uh where was it times square not times square mm-hmm. Yeah, Radio City Music Hall, et cetera. Radio, you know, City, say, yeah. Yeah. Radio City Music Hall, I'll do an early lunch. Okay? And he tells her, like, she's not looking good at all. Yeah, and she she doesn't. She looks like a like a, a ghoul. You know, she looks like a ghoul. She has the white makeup on. It's kind of She cool. has the white makeup, and then yeah. she puts the dark, dark eye, eye shut on her shut. Yeah, yeah, it's really, really, yeah. yeah, she looks bad. Bad, bad. She also is craving raw meat. So she starts cooking steaks for, like, 10 seconds aside, and then you yes. And well, eating and then, actual liver raw. Yeah. So she, <laughs> yeah. apparently she ate the raw liver on uh, for real. Oh, man, that gives me the... Uh, and she's a vegetarian. So that oh, was... Oh, man, well, yeah. good on her then. That, that's like... That's that, method acting. <laughs> that, that would make me a vegetarian at first. Right. Wow, Quick I didn't know this. Is, is difficult enough. Yeah. Um, so she decides, because her life is turned upside down and she's tired of all these old people and the crazy neighbors and stuff like that, she decides she's going to throw a party for all their old friends that they've had, right? Yes. Uh, and uh, she's looking super pale and terrible, but she's like, yep. she's planning the meals for this party, and it's going to be a party. Uh, and so and then they have the party scene, which is a pretty good party scene. Lots of fun. Oh, yeah. But so, you I mean, could, this, is a, this is a classic 60s. You know, 60s like, party uh, scene. Peter, like uh, like Peter uh, Peter uh, Sellers. Peter Sellers in the in the in the party. In the party, party, a movie yeah, that we can yeah. never talk about on Martin. We can't actually do that one, but yes, we recommend it for film history, for film history's sake. Please check out Peter Sellers in the, the party. The party. <laughs> also r- related to that, yeah, related to that one is uh, I love you, Alice B. Toklas. Also, yeah, uh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> yes, yes. But uh, yeah, uh, this is the this is the this is a it's a it's like swinging fun party time young people. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. totally well, different re- vibe than the rest of the film. Absolutely, and that's the point. Yes, the point is that this was what their old life was like, and she the outside world is like, oh shit, this is fun, and these like this is a which is a breath of fresh air if you think yes. about it, because the whole film is just these annoying older people. Yes. Yes. Giving her giving her terrible milkshakes. Yes, you know, yes. Oh, that's repulsive stuff. <laughs> it's so and good. She keeps drinking he, him. He can, he sets the tone so brilliantly in this thing. Like it's one thing. It's like because I mean nothing like and this is not a criticism. Nothing happens in this movie until the last four minutes. Yeah, like everything is implied, but nothing really. Maybe happens. that's the magic of it. It's all mm-hmm. implied. Yes, and right. you just start to really start to think your mind it starts to play around yeah. because like i said all those little things like pulling the hair off the jacket you're inside like, god that's weird what's it it's not big things like ee, ee. it's just yeah. weird little things that just keep yeah the the well like when you're in the laundry room and you hear something crashing in the yeah, background and it's not explained it's just not explained it crashed they're like you're like someone fucking sneaking around back there what is this what's happening right. you know I, I think like, this place just gives me the creeps. Anyway, let's do laundry some more. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, like he sets that, like he makes the tone uh, so tactile, and like, like you get, like I said, you can smell the smells, and you just feel the heavy presence of everything. Right. It's just like oh, this is like it feels hot and close, and here are the old people again, and you're just like, get me out of here. So by the time you get to the '60s party, you're like, oh, thank, thank God, God. Some people are doing some cocaine. 
I forgot. Sorry, I forgot something about Hutch. Right, she's supposed to meet Hutch at Radio City Music Hall. This is before the party, uh, mm-hmm. she, and so she goes to meet him there. We already know that, like you know, something's going on. Uh, she uh, uh, she gets there, and he's not around. Right, yes. and so she's waiting and waiting and waiting. And then she goes inside this uh, department store, looks for a phone to try to call, say where he is. I suppose to have an appointment with him. Finds out he's in a coma. <laughs> just yeah, like the woman who had the apartment. It's just like the woman who had the apartment, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, he suddenly fell into a coma for some reason. <laughs> right. And then apparently, remember that, where she's kind of in shock, and then she's walking across the street, like in oh, shock. Great shot. Great shot. And... In the middle, literally jaywalking in the middle of like yeah, she's walking know, right in front of cabs. In front of cabs, yeah. that was uh, improv. That's real, right? Those you can that's tell real. those are real. Cabs. So the cars were coming at her like that. yes, yes. Yeah. Roman Polanski says, "Don't worry about it. No one would ever dare hit a pregnant lady." That's just do amazing. It. That's amazing. He told her to just cross the street. Like just that. do it. We'll figure it out. Yeah, yeah, Dude, like that because that because there's. You can tell when that stuff is staged. That was not staged. <laughs> like, yeah. I was just like, yeah, it reminded me shit. of the Midnight Cowboy scene. Remember? Yes, exactly. Yeah. And basically, Which is also improv. Yeah. Dude, fucking that whole scene. Hits yeah. He actually did get hit by the car. Slams the guy. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm walking here. here. I'm, I'm walking here. here. See, that's the greatest when method lines. acting pays off. Yeah. Like, that's because, like, Hoffman, like, Hoffman is a legit method actor. Sure. You know, like, he actually does this because in that moment, when he was hit by a car, you remained in character. That's yes. why you do it. So, like, uh, I'm not totally against method acting. I just think that very few people actually practice it as anything other than an advertisement for themselves. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, let's see. Okay, so, um, right. So during the party, her friends, the, her girlfriends, are notice that she's not looking well. They said that they have a, a girl talk because she's having a breakdown, like a mental mm-hmm. breakdown. And so a uh, uh, guy is always like hovering around her, like what makes just does want to make sure she's not sucked out of the world. Right. Yes. Yes. Right. And so the girls push him out. It's like girls only. They push him out of the room. It's like we're only talking to her. And they basically convince her like you got to see another doctor. This, is this dude sounds like a crackpot. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. You're and in so pain all the time. You look like shit. Right. You know, like, this is just bad news. I got to turn this around. So the, the party's over and she says. Uh, and she, she's in pain all the time, right? The party's over. She tells him, I'm going to see another doctor. He's arguing with her. Like, you can't see another doctor. And they're having this big argument about the doctor. And mm-hmm. then suddenly the pain stops. Yes. Just like that. Yes. Right? And then she says, I can feel the baby. I can feel it. Uh, do you want to touch? And no, he doesn't want to touch her or anything. It's so this, this, this is this is amazing because see this is why I say he's disgusted. He's totally disgusted. Like she may as well be get, like she may as well have a cat inside her belly. Like he's just right. like this is hideous. I don't want any part of it. Um, but like that whole scene when he is uh, when he is arguing with her, I want to know whether Polanski have them have any lines at all because like she has lines that she's clearly memorized. He is improving and they're letting him improv because he is actually improving in that scene. Okay. Like he is like because Casavetes is like uh, the reason why you can't is because and you can see him like his brain is jamming trying to come up with some fucking yeah. reason you know and uh, and I don't know whether it's you know, Casavetes is a great actor and he'd be able to do this anyway but it feels so real his internal. I wonder conflict. if he let him have a lot of freedom. Yeah, I think that's because Polanski seems like just like probably so anal retentive on set 
that uh, like to give him kind of freedom is. Yeah, it's weird. That'd be a strange thing, right? And and the thing is, Cassavetti is, is known for his improv, like for his improv filmmaking, for you know, for acting in his own movies, et cetera, et cetera. But like, I think you're right. Like, you know, in this otherwise hyper controlled set, like say, like, okay, make up some reasons for why uh, uh, she can't see another doctor when it's obviously the most logical thing in the whole wide world, um, and emotionally logical as well. And he has to fight to think of things. It wouldn't be fair. It's such bullshit. Yeah. yeah. What? Like it, that it wouldn't was the be fair. Sapristein was the funniest like, line. I know. Old. Like just like it wouldn't be fair to Sapristein. <laughs> like, are you fucking insane? Yeah, it's right. just perfect. It's just perfect. And that's uh, the kind yeah. of thing, like, you can tell an actor to do that, but, like, he, like, his, the, like, he can see that it's bullshit while he's saying it. Like, right. this is not going to work. It's just great, great, great scene. Right. But the, the whole thing is, like, I can feel the baby, and you're like, oh, I don't know. You, yeah. you know what that baby is, right? Well, the and, thing is, though, the, the beauty of that scene, just in a sort of a metaphorical structure sense in terms of screenwriting, is like that's the one scene finally where she asserts herself. Mm. Like she's just like, "Fuck you! I'm taking control of my own life," and the baby wakes up. Like right. that is the like the baby is responding and has a heartbeat and is living because that's happening for her. Right. You know, like she is waking up, and uh, and she is full of life. That's why that 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 hits right there, and that's why uh, Cassavetes is so powerless in that scene. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So, uh, and we still have a lot to go. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big movie. It's a big movie. Okay. Uh, all right. Then we find out that Hutch has died. Mm-hmm. Same yep. as the lady. So she goes to the funeral and she yep. meets this woman there. She who, talked on the phone with the woman. Yeah. She talked on the phone with the woman. He goes, yeah, you're the one. She goes, because yeah, you know, he came through just before he died, and he wanted to tell me tell me to give you a book that he I was get, preparing to give you. So she gives him this package of this wrapped book, right? Um, All them witches, right? And then she said, "He told me to tell you the name is an anagram, right?" Right. And that's what it is. I was like, "Name is an anagram." Uh, uh, okay. Oh, okay. Right. Um, and so now you have this, you have, okay, you have, you're starting to have some feelings like, okay, she's finally going to have the tools to put it all together, right? Got a book, going to come together. She's going to figure it out, right? Uh, which is, of course, to me, that's like in the tenant when uh, he meets Isabella Janine. He's like, ah, yeah. he's finally going to. Now it's, oh, it's all going to come it's, together. It's, it's going it's, it's to be okay because he's someone who's going to bring her to normalcy, you know, yes. in some ways. Yeah. And these are identical movies in a lot of ways. Oh, yeah. Except, yeah, yeah. But like, I love what? The Tenet. The Tenet is one of my favorite, yeah. favorite horror films. Like, of I, I, would, I would say, like, Rosemary's Baby is, is an even better crafted movie than The Tenet. But what I love about The Tenet is it's really nuts. Like, really, and really it's, creepy. It's really creepy and it's really crazy. And it's so, like, I think that Rosemary's Baby is like, and this is not a critique, this is just saying, like, that is big Hollywood Polanski. Like, mm. he's like, I can do it. Which one was first? I don't know. I want to say Tenet. Which one? Let's see. The, well, this one was... Uh, the Tenet's uh, later. Tenet's when he was yeah, living that, in Paris because he was exiled. Right. You're right. You're right. You're right. So, like, the Tenet is, like, that's more down and dirty Polanski. Like, that's, like, whereas, like, with he's doing Rosemary's Baby, like, that's a hit book. 
and it's a really big deal and it's a hollywood production other directors were vying to direct it you know and so he's like i gotta play by hollywood rules with this and find ways to make it work anyway but the tenants he's like fuck it <laughs> like it's just gonna be nuts and the tenant is absolutely nuts it's beautiful right. and it's scary and it's super funny and it's incredible but it's a scrappier movie. I, I like uh, Rosemary's Baby. It's a better movie, but Tenet is a much scrappier film. Yeah, I think it's just so creepy to me. Yeah, it's, it's so creepy. It's 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 the thing about it is that whether well, the Tenet, the thing that gets to me about it is is you you're just you know that he's got to do just a few things to get him to normalcy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like it's like watching someone slowly go insane and like, oh, if he just does this, he'll be fine, and then he. He does, he does, he does, and then boom. Bam. Yes, yeah. exactly. And it's, a, and it's a really Euro-feeling film. Oh, God. Like, it's yeah. super Euro. And Which I mean, that's by the tenant. Like, yeah. Well, like, yeah. that does not feel... Like, like Rosemary's Baby is a, is a big, fat American picture. Like well, it's, pro- it's like, a European film with its American it has studio. A, it has a flavor, right? It has a distinct... But, the, but he was banned. That's why it's made yeah, in absolutely. Europe. Right. But I mean, like, he's like, the, like, he is, like, he's playing, like, a, with Rosemary's Baby. It's like William Castle produced the fucking thing. He's like an old schlockmeister, you know? It's like, this is deep Hollywood stuff, and it's a big, uh, you know, hit book and whatnot. And so Polanski's like, I have to design this and craft this perfectly so it doesn't... Um, break the laws of hollywood otherwise they'd be mad at me but i gotta make it work anyway and so the intensity of the craft is what makes rosemary's baby work so well whereas with um the tenant man he is free to be a euro filmmaker like that's like knife in the water like knife in the water yeah. is like you have no fucking idea where knife in the water is gonna go at all right you know or or the or the donald pleasance movie uh, that he did that we covered um Which, oh uh, oh the, uh, yeah the, what well, the one Eric you suggested we watch that one? That was great, great with a, what a, was that in movie? the castle with uh, the the couple. What's the name of it? That's right, the tip of my tongue. Uh, um, we did it, it, it was we did it. We combined it with Sexy Beast. Yeah, it's terrific. Movie. Sexy Beast and someone look it up for us on uh... Donald Pleasance and uh, uh, and oh, the fuck. Okay, I'll tell you what. Okay, tell you we'll, what. Look up, we'll look it up. We'll, no, no, okay, here's what we're going to do. We are going to go on a two-minute break. Yes. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and do a two-minute break. A couple things you can do uh, while you're on a two-minute break. One is uh, you can go to our Patreon page uh, and sign up for, uh, for our Patreon. We would love to have you as a member of our Patreon. If you guys would like to be on Patreon, we would, uh, it would be super great if you are on patreon we will get you uh and a, and a and a member of the patreon we will put you on our special discord uh you can be on the discord and uh be on the subscribers only section so that's one thing you do the other thing you can do is look up whatever the hell that donald Pleasant <laughs> film was let us know about it was that. great and what but, did we uh, think of it? i remember now yeah it. It. <sighs> yeah it was really good anyway we will be back in two minutes, uh, and if you uh, you'll get an ad uh, for two minutes, but we'll be right back in two minutes. Where we will can wrap up Rosemary's Baby for you guys. All right, fantastic. So two okay. minutes from now. All right, add time for some and chit chat for others. Yeah. <laughs> All right, you guys keep going. I'll be right back. Excellent. Yeah, I'm gonna actually quickly just step and grab something. All right, go for it. All um, right. I'll yes. keep the ball rolling for everybody here. Keep the ball rolling. Thanks, All guys. Right. But in chat, I'm going to talk about. I have been watching a whole series of uh, Hammer horror films uh, for uh, leading up to Halloween, uh, specifically starting with the Christopher Lee 
uh, Dracula pictures. And uh, uh, some of them are available on HBO. I super recommend uh, that you check it out. Um, he may be, those may be my favorite Dracula movies of all time. Like I, I, I go back and forth because I also love the Frank Langella Dracula uh, from 1979, directed by Richard Donner, and uh, which I think might be the best actual Dracula movie that is most like the intent of the book. Even though they, some, they mess around with it a little bit. Um, but man, Christopher Lee, they got so inventive on such a low budget with those things. And uh, uh, the one that I just watched that I hadn't seen since probably, I don't know, probably 25, 30 years is... Um, uh, uh, the one where Christopher Lee is, oh yeah, it's the uh, Dracula has risen from the grave, and uh, that's available. I think that's available on HBO right now, or maybe I spent two bucks to rent it. Definitely check this one out. This is it's called Dracula has risen from the grave, and it's one of the Christopher Lee Dracula movies, and it oh. was awesome. I hadn't seen it in a long, long time, and the plot is great. It's one of the tightest, best, most interesting uh, Dracula movies that uh, Hammer made. And it's got all the paint red blood and all the weird light. But I will tell you right now. Is it black and white? I guess not. It's bright, bright color. It's like great 60s color. Uh, and uh, it's got a really clever plot line. But the thing that I noticed, and I already pointed this out to Jason, is for anyone who's a fan of my thief cutscenes, is I forgot I ripped this fucking movie off so hard when I was doing those thief cutscenes. And watching it, I was like, oh, man, oh, man, I'm literally stealing shots from this uh, left and right, and uh, in painting different uh, versions of these shots. This one movie, this movie has a huge impact on me. So, nice. uh, if you want some uh, want some history there, some backstory, uh, that's it. Dracula has risen from the grave. Big, big influence on me. I'm watching the Dracula, the Dracula thing on Netflix. Have you seen oh, that? Dracula uh, thing. the BBC one? N- uh, it's a Netflix one, I think. Oh yeah. Looked- uh, Right, it's a, and it has the like uh, what's his name? It's really good. And it has the slightly romantic overtone between Harker and Dracula. Is that the one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I started to watch that. I liked it. I finished it. It's pretty good. Good. It's pretty good. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm enjoying that one. Um, it's so hard to make a good Dracula movie. It seems, and I'm not sure why. Yeah, like the book is super fun. <laughs> like the Keanu Reeves one with. Oh, uh, it's a mess. It's a mess. It's, it's a beautiful mess. But it is a beautiful mess. Yeah, but it's bad. Like everyone's bad in it. It's like the script is a shambles. It's, like it's fucking. It's trash. Which one is this? Coppola's Dracula. Coppola's oh, Dracula. Yeah. It's garbage. But it's. I love Coppola. But like that, he's he's more interested in pulling the pulling filmmaking tricks than you know creating a character story that I was interested in. And it just kind of turns into like terrible. Yeah. She's. I love Ryder, and she's bad. She's, she's bad, bad in this. Yeah, everybody's Carrie Elwes is bad. Everyone's bad. Everyone's uh, like, what's his name? Anthony Hopkins is bad. And Anthony like, Hopkins is bad. Who is with the Dracula is played by what's his name? Oh uh, yeah, I will say old Dracula is great. And if you had a movie Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman's old Dracula is brilliantly yeah. done. Yes. If there was a movie to that was at, that was because he's a perfect over actor for it. Yes. Like he, yeah. Yes. And he's he, a great yeah. like terrific hand bone. And the thing is like that I don't mean that as a bad thing. Like uh, no, 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 old, but that, like, that's what Dracula needs. Yeah, you need a big, big presence like that that's really insanely creative. You need Klaus Kinski. My, my favorite Dracula movie ever is uh, yeah. uh, uh, Werner Herzog's Nosferatu. remake of Nosferatu. Yeah. And Klaus Kinski is, you know, he's an insane person in, in real life. And he's, he's going to bring a performance that's outlandish. Uh, and, uh, and in that case, so, like, he was so minimal and creepy, it was outlandish. But it's just like, uh, if there had been a movie to support Oldman, 
man, what a movie that would have been. And instead, it's just like this kind of shitty perfume commercial wading through these bad shitty perfume like, ugh, God, terrible. But in any case, I, I also said, see, the Richard Donner, Richard Donner's going to have a lot of plans episode, uh, Frank Langella as Dracula in 1979. It's actually very, very, very good. Right. Right. Okay, back to, back to Rosemary's, Rosemary's Baby. She gets her book. She opens the book. She reads the book. Uh, uh, what's it, the book's title again? Witches what? All Them Witches. All Them Witches. All them, no, it's more than that. It's a bit no, longer it is, title. It's All Them Witches. All Them Witches. <laughs> I promise. There's a band called it All Them Witches. Like a, it sounds like a... That's what I was about to say. It sounds like a band. <laughs> right. It is, in fact, also a band. <laughs> okay. So All Them Witches is, is, is one. And then uh, she's like, okay, the name's an anagram. So she tries to think that the name of the book is the anagram. So she takes her Scrabble tiles to try to decipher the title. And she right. like, comes up with all kinds of random stuff. And then she starts looking through the book, and she sees a dog-eared section of it. And she sees a picture of a family picture and the names of all these people. And one of them is a kid and his name was Darren. No, David, something, right? Yeah, Stephen, Stephen, something. Stephen, Stephen, no, Stephen, blah, 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 people, blah, blah. She was, and then she, she does it and realizes that it's, it's an anagram for Roman Castavet. Roman yeah. Castavet, right? Yes. So she's like, oh, shit. Like, he changed his name, right? So yeah. realize He's the son. In fact, this goes back to... He's the son of the guy. guy the son of the guy that started the whole thing. Yes. The whole start. And so, started. like, the, the, the right. guy who was murdered outside of this building that they talk about in the beginning when they're just talking about random shit that happened. Yeah, the guy house. was murdered because of all the horrible things he that did. That was Roman's dad. That was and Roman's Roman, dad. Roman's so the what was this thing where she's, like, she's going through that and she says outside not in the lobby like what was the point of her saying that i always thought that was a weird line yeah i'm not sure i'm not sure remember because she said yeah you're right was outside not in the lobby like there's something it meant something to polanski anyway i don't know what i'm not sure if it totally comes across though like it's some realization of you know like this was uh, part of the hotel or part of the real world Hmm. um so I think that that may be the tone, but it's it's a little unclear. I agree. I'm not really sure. What that okay. Um, then also Let's find out and just have a white paper on my desk. I, I'll do my best. I'm still finishing the paper on why does Bruce Willis say cigarettes like it's really important in Die Hard? Yeah, right. <laughs> which I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she also notes she finds in there that uh, there is uh, the name of tan. It's not Tannis Root, but it's actually called Devil's Pepper. Devil's Pepper. Right. Yes. So she's starting to put it all together, right? Which I think is what is in this right here. I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so she's figuring it out. Uh, once uh, she she figures it out, she tells her husband. She says, "I want nothing to do with your our neighbors. They're horrible people." Right? Husband protests. So funny. Mm-hmm. And he's she doesn't realize yeah. that he's in on the whole freaking thing. Yep. Like, holy shit, this guy. Yeah. <laughs> this guy. It's yeah. also her blatant naivete is yeah. I think that like she because she's not a she's not a dummy. She's very, very smart. But she's really invested in believing things are the way that they are because that is how she has control. And so if it turns out that he is manipulating her in a way that she is unfamiliar, that's very scary. Like, not just scary in terms of, like, my husband's a weirdo working with a cult, but sort of, like, it puts her in, in a position where she doesn't know how to get out of that at all. Like, they right. have an agreement. They have a codependent re- agreement on how they manipulate each other. And he's 
found this end run to do something that's completely out of her uh, zone. And it's, uh, I think that that's why she really, like, it's, it's impossible for her to believe that he would act with such, not just malice, but sort of like uh, outside the terms of their code of an agreement. You know? Right. I think that's the, that's the subtle thing that's happening for her. Uh, uh, apparently Dave 3D says Bruce Willis says cigarettes in Die Hard because it is one of the details that lets him know that uh, terrorists are European based on the type of cigarette. Uh, the, the dialogue then shifts to uh, to him pushing the top cow, uh, uh, top the cop, uh, the cop towards checking out foreign leads in there. Right, right. Okay, yeah, I, I buy that. That makes sense. It's just like he, like the camera rides right up on him and he goes, and they're cigarettes and i'm like right were they really good cigarettes <laughs> well i guess you can tell what kind of cigarettes they are yeah. when he finds the buds if they're, if anyway. they're yeah exactly the, the little foldy case ones that uh yeah that you get in the smart stores yeah yep okay well, thank you dev i appreciate that there you go i'll get back See. to the white paper eric please if you can just keep working on that yeah. excellent excellent okay uh okay uh so now let's see what happens uh right the uh <laughs> Husband throws away the book. <laughs> I threw it in the trash. Where's the book? Oh, I threw it in the trash. Trash. Hutch gave me that book. Like, like you fuck. What I, I mean, I would like at that point. I'm just like, just throw him out a window. Just yeah. throw this useless sack of fucking turrets out the window. I hate this guy so badly. Right. Even if he's just, even if this, if there's no plot, if there's no de- devils or witches or anything, if it's just this guy, kill him. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's just it's so just, vile. He's. But the thing that's amazing to me is that he plays like there's a lot of ways to play an evil character. Oh yeah, but this yeah. one is like because he's selfish. Yeah, he's, like, his, he's so he's so selfish. slippery. He's so slippery and charming and funny and jokey and mm-hmm. just like and and then like he always comes to the point of view of like I'm really this is all about helping Rosemary when it's all about helping himself. Right. You know, it's just like this. It makes him a, like, and so when I say I hate him, like I love this character and Casamitty Oh, I agree. No, that the character great. is what makes it yeah. so so good, right? Yeah. Like a but, plus performance. But because you could just play the evil guy, like I'm nodding behind you, but you he he just seems like awkwardly, clumsily trying to guide her while only serving his self interest. Yeah, he seems and, like a knucklehead. Yeah, because right. he's not super. He's not playing. He's not a good planner. No. He's like. No, he's terrible. No, he's, he's just thinking that say. they're handling it for him and yes. he'll get the fame and everything he wants. Yeah. That's why he keeps running to them. Yes. Right. I got to go see a Minion Roman. Yeah, I got to go see him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And that, that's why that scene, when she finally puts her, puts her foot down, like he's totally at sea because nobody's feeding him lines. Like, yeah. how, I didn't expect her to do this. I suddenly want to see another doctor. I don't know what to say. You right. Know? And it, but he's like he's so used to getting his own way by being the star. Like oh, years ago, years ago, I used to have a producing partner like that. Years ago, <laughs> years ago, bad times, bad check. times, bad times. True, but yeah, like that's the, he is a. I mean, uh, if you want to, if anyone wants to check out some of the greatest indie films ever made, look up John Cassavetes and the movies that he directed and also acted in with uh, uh, Gina Rollins and Ben Gazzara. Ben Gazzara, and it just unbelievably good movies and yeah. it's so cutting edge um they, it, they're shocking so that's as a side note this guy is a genius oh, oh yeah ones. oh yeah yep okay hold on so, okay so where are we? i want to make well no we, we will be fine um anyway so uh name's uh book uh 
uh, away. Okay. She leaves. She drops a pendant. She takes off the pendant while she's in the street and drops it down a grate, right? Mm -hmm. Gets rid of the pendant. Buys a book on witchcraft at the bookstore. Mm -hmm. The book says that you need a person's possession to, uh, to, make, to cast a spell, right? I.e. a glove. Yeah. Like, or are you just basically a like glove? And, and so you realize, like, they had something of all those people that, mm -hmm. that like, you know, got, got hurt. But even they, he grabbed it. Yep. Yep. And then, like, or, uh, or the tie. The, the tie. Yeah, exactly. The tie. The tie. Yeah. I want to forget about the, the actor. The, the actor, uh, uh, Tony Fong. Curtis in the tie. Yeah. He's just like, right, right, right. it doesn't really matter what color ties are anymore. Right. And, uh, it's like he got one of his ties. Right, right, right. Uh, right. That's right. Um, Okay. Uh, she, uh, she calls the actor who lost his eyesight. That's the, what, yes. the scene we're talking about. Right. And which this turns is, out was Tony Curtis. Tony right? Curtis, yes. And uh, has From a conversation Spartacus. with him. And, yes. she's, and sort of gets into that situation. Uh, finds out a bit, the, borrowed the tie. That's, the, that's how she finds out, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Um, so, so now she knows everyone who has been hurt by this group uh, has... It has happened because they collected items and then cast spells. Mm -hmm. Yes. Right. Okay. So, um, so she is now confident that this is a, is a coven. Right. Right. She knows that this is the bad. This, she has all finally has all the proof necessary. Yes. Call the sack. Thank you, Jason. That is the name. Call of the, the sack. Call the sack. Thank you. Yes. Which is Perfect. amazing that the the movie is called Cul de Sac because it is not at a cul de sac. It is not. It is. I thought it was going to be a film about sub, yeah. about suburbia, but it's not. No, maybe it their lives are crazy. Like the no, we we went through <laughs> this. If you guys want to hear about why we why that is, we actually did have this conversation. I don't even remember. We should do what, a podcast on it. We uh, did uh, one. Yes, we should go back and talk. No, we that. didn't. Yes. Yes. I, well, I go back to listen to our cul de sac sexy beast episode. Uh, Jason, tell us what no, uh, episode number it was, and then <laughs> <laughs> thank you. We, well, we can put that in our chat. Well, thank you, Jason. Yeah. Of course, we could count on you. Uh, okay, so uh, where was I? Okay, there's uh, your crap. Uh, okay, now we're getting okay. So now she knows it's witchcraft. Now she knows it's about owning possession. She goes to see the old doctor, right? Yep, Charles Grodin. Right. Charles she Grodin. No, no, no. The old doctor. She goes to see the old doctor first. The Ralph old doctor. Bellamy. So, Ralph so Ralph Bellamy. She goes to see Ralph Bellamy. Nurse says she smells better because she's Nurse not says the, the doctor had the same smell. Yeah. Right. The doctor had the same smell. I can't believe she didn't freaking figure that part out. Like this well, is part this of me is like um, my daughter's standpoint. Sounds like yeah. Well, when you are when you have the same when you smell the same thing all the time, like you're not going to smell it on somebody else. Like you, it's right. just it's going to go right by you. So yeah, when Saperstein turns out to also use this as right, well, uh, fungus aftershave, <laughs> right, uh, right, right, right. She's like, uh, I'm just gonna go get something in the street. Right, Bye. <laughs> right. So she leaves, uh, and uh, and when she leaves, uh, she uh, she says she she dumps her appointment. She goes to the goes to a phone booth and tries to call Doctor Hill. Great. This is like if you're gonna like phone booths aren't a thing anymore. But I if know, you're going to do I, a yes. phone booth scene, this is one this of the is best. This is one of the great ones. I miss phone booths because... Okay, there's this scene and High Anxiety. Uh, <laughs> yes, High Anxiety, which is, which is an echo of one of the great um, uh, phone booth scenes, which is the birds. The birds, right. And, uh, and, uh, and the conversation and Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Just, yes. Like that is, it's one there's of the conversations. 
there was some meme I saw. It was really also funny. Broadway Danny Rose. Lou, Broadway Danny we're Rose. in a different situation right. here, Lou. Yeah. yeah. So it was really funny. So I, I, there was this meme or this story. I don't know if it's true or not, but it's it's relevant. So follow me along with it. But apparently it's a story about this mom who takes her. She has two boys, right? One old, uh, 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 older boy and a younger boy. And she's stopping at a gas station and takes the younger boy. It's like, all right, here, why don't you get out? You're going to help me fill this car with gas. And she's and he's like, okay. So it's like, you'll learn how to do this. This is an important skill to learn. And after they finish, they're like, well, mom, thanks for teaching me that. That's something I'm never going to ever have to do. <laughs> and he says, and he goes, what do you mean? He goes, you're not going to fill up a car with gas anymore. And the, the, the boy in the background is like, this is the time you taught us how to use a payphone. It's like, yep, yep, yeah. yeah. Gas stations are not going to be around for much longer. No, that's going to be a whole new bag. But whole yes, bag. Like, uh, unfortunately, I wish they would just keep, um, like, because I. There is a payphone. There is a payphone in front of, what's the name of the, the, uh, the pantry? The pantry in downtown? Pantry, downtown, yeah. There's yeah, a payphone there. Oh, that's nice. People okay. were like, oh my God, a payphone. <laughs> so fucking cool, man. Because, I mean, the thing is, like, the 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 phone booth scene in the birds is is fucking groundbreaking crazy stuff it's absolutely yes. amazing and uh and in this there is and i just want to ask you i think that because she's on the phone and eric you already pointed this it's out it's crammed around her it's like the, you're in the booth with her like everything yeah. is like it's like two yes. people in a phone booth yes <laughs> and like there's people that want to use the phone booth whatever and and halfway through the lighting, the scene, by the way, it's so bright. Yes, yeah. And everything the colors is, are so yeah. vibrant. It's so, like everything is 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 made to put pressure on you. Like everything is is is. Stimulating but it, that, I think cramped. that's the thing that's different, right? You, it's not like a dark, dingy. Yeah, it's no. it, it's crammed but bright and airy. Yes, it's so juxtaposition. This is the brilliance of it, right? Because like there's the free world out there. Right. right here's open space greenery sky clouds all she's got to do is get out of the phone booth she's got to get out of the fucking the phone, phone booth. booth she's trapped <laughs> in the phone booth right and then halfway through the scene this dude just backs up and leans against the glass. that's the stuff that makes you just so it's gold and i have a question right here because like the haircut a guy's head yes. is exactly like ralph bellamy's hair exactly yes. right. right that's to make it's a MacGuffin. right and you're like Fucking Ralph Bellamy is right here listening to this conversation. He uh, moves and walks off screen. You don't see his face. And he's off screen for like a second. And when he walks back on, it's obviously not Ralph Bellamy. And I'm like, is that a Texas switch? That was like, called the Texas switch. Like that, um, like, I, it's, I, called, I, it's also called the Kissinger switch. Because uh, he looked like uh, Henry Kissinger. Because like, I think that Ralph Bellamy really was the head that was up against the glass. And he Could leaves be. the frame for a second, and then it's a different actor walks back in as as if it were the same actor. And yeah. uh, and I, I I if anyone can I I I didn't think about it until after the scene was gone. I didn't go back to check. Maybe I'm wrong, but if anyone can spot that, let me know. That was just like I think that's one of the the, the most clever Texas switches I've ever seen. Really brilliant. Since we had a trillion times, never 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 noticed. Right. Uh... Dave Fury says the best phone booth scene is from Terminator 2. Your foster parents are dead. Your Which parents are dead. It's good. <laughs> to me, that is a great scene. It's not necessarily as good. What I like the most about that scene is how it turns into a meme. The best me, meme the of me, all time. The, one of the best memes. Best like, meme is that where the thing goes through the head? 
Yes, that's the thing. It's like your foster parents are dead. It's like all already yeah, it pans over and she's got the sword arm through the husband's right. throat. Right. Oh, and, and it's the it's the woman who was Vasquez in in yes, uh, in aliens. In, in, in aliens. And she's who, the dying Irish woman in Titanic. She is the dying Irish oh, woman in Titanic. Yep. And she is now a big entrepreneur and she owns a series uh of bra stores called nice. Janet's Bra. Nice. This, these are for very busty ladies who need custom bras made, right? Life after aliens. Yes. And that. she that's owns that. a store that's about two miles from here. Uh, so one of the oh, stores is, is on Magnolia Boulevard here in Burbank, California. And great very, actor. I love her. very successful, great very successful entrepreneur. And yeah. she's doing really well. The only reason I know that is that I watched what that you series on Netflix is like the movies we love or whatever. And I did one on Terminator. Uh, on Alien. Oh, that's great. That's really yeah. great. But yeah, yeah I, I'm in agreement with you. Like I, cause my version of that meme, that meme was uh on the phone and uh schwarzenegger is going is talking to uh talking to her and says right. oh Jeanette, uh what's your favorite uh what's your favorite colin farrell movie and right. uh, and she goes oh sweetie you know it's total recall and right. goes, your foster parents are dead <laughs> 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 it's yeah, like uh, no when he says <laughs> the other one i like is like what do your parents do and he goes uh uh and he says they're virtual effects artists what time will we be home on saturday oh sweetie you know we don't work on saturday your foster parents <laughs> are dead <laughs> what's this from, from it's a meme and it's a meme that's it's, been, it's a meme like, from the terminator 2 yeah thing. it's the, the full the full gag i did was like does your does your mother like michael mann movies and uh and and he's like oh yeah she she loves him uh, what's your favorite Colin Farrell movie? Total Recall. Your foster parents are dead. That's basically the layout for the joke all the time. It's wicked yeah. funny. I'm glad it's okay. All right. So uh, mm -hmm. she's in the phone booth. Phone booth scenes. She's trying to basically get an appointment with Doctor Hill. She does manage to squeak in. Like she gets the service. He says, "Okay, come on over." She gets to Doctor Hill. Uh, 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 she sees Doctor Hill. He tells her everything. She sounds like a crazy person. Totally sounds like a crazy person. Let's this this monologue ride so long. He like just sort she, of listens. Because you basically it. want everybody to think she's crazy. It's right. so good, man. Like she's like she starts. She tells you everything that you already agree is bizarre. But right. she says it all in order, and it's like. And two and a half the, opens the suitcase and pulls the book out. <laughs> two and a half minutes of pure conspiracy. And like he cuts back to Charles Grodin. He's like, uh-huh. <laughs> uh -huh. like, okay, no. Eric, if you go to our chat, uh, 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 our chat, uh, Dave put a, a link there to yeah, the, 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 the VFX meme, which is. Um, to what? Dr. Saperstein's uh, office? No, <laughs> Twitter, Twitter. Go to our go to our Twitch chat, and Dave Three D put one in there. So it's basically it's, it's Arnold says, "What do your parents do for a living?" They're VFX artists. He says, "Why aren't you at work? It's Saturday. Let us <laughs> uh, they oh, let us out at five o'clock. Your foster parents are dead." Yeah, <laughs> like I learned like, the genius <laughs> of this one isn't we were isn't we don't work on Saturday. It's Saturday. We don't work on Saturday. If they let us off at, at five, obviously they never work. <laughs> That's completely unrealistic. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. So to me, this scene also, the, the one that's paired, like, I really wish we had paired this with Tenet because this is the one when she tells him everything. It's like when he tells Isabella Jenny everything. Yeah. The whole and boat. The whole thing. And he is, oh, I can finally get some sleep. 
Yes. And he goes to sleep in the tenant and she goes to sleep in his office. Yes. Yes. Right. Yes. Like it's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. I, be I am finally in safe hands yes. now that I'm here. Let, right. Yeah. yeah. Like I said at the top of the show, man, it's when Charles Grodin, after she gives that big speech, says, I believe you. Like I was but like, but she also said, but no, 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 no. Ooh. But before that, he says, Dr. Saperstein, like when Did she, Saperstein. Yeah. Yeah. And then you realize, like, I believe you. Why don't you get some sleep? Like, yeah. oh, doomed. <laughs> doomed. And because he has a very yeah, good Because he, he really says, was... like, I don't believe in witchcraft, but I, that there are plenty of crazy people in New York. And you go, like, maybe he does believe her. Yeah, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nope. Yeah. You never escape the maze, my friend. Right. Never, so, ever. what, who, but so after she takes her little nap, or barely takes a little nap. Who shows up but her husband and this, <laughs> Dr. Saperstein? This movie makes a meal out of uh, men walking through doors at camera. Like, right. When you're just like, oh, it's fuck. Here come, yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, here comes the you. men. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's right. So good. And, uh, like, and this is another example of like Saperstein's up front and, the, and uh, Broden's there. And then in the background is Weasley little Cassavetes. And he's just like, oh, no, honey, they said. Uh, you're like, if I had a golf club, I would beat you in the in the balls of your feet until they ended up in your eyeballs. <laughs> like I hate him so much, and he's so he's just in the background. He comes out into the shadows. He's like, no, but sweetie, they said we it's all just about you, and then goes back into the shadows. What a pig! Oh man, savory. He's one of my favorite villains. Savory, uh, savory villain. So so now they're 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 they shove her in a cab, which is this shot right behind us. And then you know mm-hmm. the guy there is just totally like one of their little sycophants. Yeah, because yeah, he is one of the guys. He, you see him at the party, that guy. Uh, yeah, yeah, so good. And by the way, the <laughs> film is not in black and white, but I just like the black and white version of this picture because it yeah, looks really okay. cool. So that's our background. Uh, for I feel for, very um, privileged to be Rosemary in this. Yeah, 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 I'm Doctor Saperstein, <laughs> <laughs> and Eric, as per usual, the narcissistic, crazy person, the evil, the, 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 the evil the, one who cares only about himself. Oh, that's the. Uh, that's <laughs> <crap>. <laughs> hey, come on! I'm Doctor Saperstein. I smell like feet. You smell like feet, <laughs> Doctor Footstein. Yeah, I make sure that, to tell women that they don't need to read books. Yeah, it's don't cloud their mind from serving me books. drinks. Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. So she. Uh, uh, okay. So she sneaks. Home. Okay. I've sent him blanking a little bit. A uh, couple of days. Uh, she sneaks home. She locks the house. How does she get it? She gets. She yeah. She's at right? the elevator, right? So she like they they bring they're bringing right. her to the house and bring her they bring the her to the house. But she runs it. She gets them out of the elevator. She goes up by herself. Yeah. Right? She tricks them and she gets in the apartment by herself. Locks everything. Right. And right. here is the funniest fucking thing in the entire film. Go, go ahead, say it. <laughs> okay. She is like, there's a big deal at the door, trying to push them out, push them out. And then she's just like, yo, you're you're trying to steal my baby. And shuts the door, locks it, puts another lock on it. And then you pan around with her. And then she tells she's she gets over and she gets on the phone. She's gonna like tell like tell everybody what's going on. And then you're you're on her. And then in the background, two oh, dudes just go like like fucking uh, like uh, like it's like, like a it's like, like a keystone cops yeah exactly <laughs> like <laughs> tiptoeing around like they've been in her apartment the whole time no they're, they came in through the back area so like this like this is just yeah, yeah. The front suddenly door, there's a shitload of people in her apartment yeah she's and, trying to sneak it she's like i'm safe in my apartment no no it's, no, no. it's so cartoony it's what it's 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 very daring da-dum, da-dum. Him, but yeah, it's like like the pink panther like the pink panther stuff that's the stuff that he does like pulling the hair off 
fabric. With a, yes. with a, it's like, that weird stuff that you're like, Jesus, that's so bizarre. It's, it's so, so strange. You know, you know what and it I think Lynch pulls stuff like that. Yes. You know, it reminded me of a little bit that that one is, uh, it, although it's way more comical in this one, but it's the one from uh, uh, Exorcist 3 with the nurse yes. on the ceiling. Yes, the, so good. So good. Where you're like, the, except that I just got the shit scare out of me. This is very funny. <laughs> yes. It's like, oh, fuck. Oh, yeah, that's hilarious. So yes. Good. It's so good. And like the, the and the brilliance, because well, like, what that when that when that uh, what that little scene reminds me of is one of uh, sort of an offbeat favorite film uh, of mine of Polanski's is the fearless vampire killers. And hmm. uh, the fearless vampire killers is wall to wall like Benny Hill style slapstick comedy. Right. Right. And it's just, it's nothing but those jokes the entire time. It's like a hammer horror film. Like I was talking about over the break, um, right. but done as an extremely <laughs> silly comedy. And what's weird is that because it's so consistent in making all these silly jokes, the creepiness of the film ends up being kind of unsettling and frightening. Like, so he has it both ways all the time. He's just like, I can't just make the movie funny. I'm going to make it slightly scary. And I'm just like, this is fucking too good. This guy, it's, it's unbelievable how skilled he is at this stuff. So when they, when they come like dun, 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 through the apartment, I'm like, yeah. bravo, bravo. <laughs> Nobody would have the balls to do that in any modern film. And nope. it made, made me laugh and it freaked me out simultaneously. So yeah. good. Yeah, it was, it was really, really good. Um, anyway. So, uh, next thing is, uh, so now at, as she's trying to do the thing, the group of old people attack her. <laughs> they're, <laughs> yes. they're all old. They're <laughs> all really old. <laughs> yeah. It's just that there's so many of them. They're like old zombies, right? right attack right. her. They put her in the bed and basically Saberstein is there now and says, she, it's time for a baby. Like to realize like, ah, oh, she's in labor. Like, right. Mm -hmm. And so, um, uh, uh, uh okay hold on a second where were you uh and so there so she gives birth to the baby off camera right mm -hmm. um uh she wakes up trying to find the baby um they say the baby has died and they sedate her again <laughs> yeah. cruel unbelievable right uh insanely cruel like this is gaslighting too that's the best part of the movie oh it's that horrifying oh yeah, and especially like not only not only is Cassavetes gaslighting her, right? Um, uh, the doctor comes in, continues the gaslighting, right? And he can't help but say, you know, and of course, if we'd been at the hospital, it would have been fine. But you insisted, and you're just like you're putting her baby's death off on her. Yeah, like it's it's beyond it's just beyond anything. It's just beyond. But anything. she already, <sighs> right? Like these these guys are like they're just nonstop the worst. It's just the worst, mm -hmm. worst. This is really uh, your fault for not listening to us men, constantly. I know constantly. the chauvinism in this is hard. It's villainous. It is the villain of the film. It's, it's the, the villain, villain of the film, right? Right. Anyway, so then the husband gives a speech <laughs> to her. Mm -hmm. uh, says, uh, "I'm not crazy, but don't worry, we will get famous." Like somehow he's like, yeah. This is going to be good. Don't worry. We've done that thing. That yep. thing's done. It's fun. I mean, imagine if you lost the baby, right? And it's not like, you know, it's just like, just like that. It's not like you really get, it's not like anyone hurt you, really. Right. Like, it, like she, yeah. yeah man. She almost died, but. Yeah, yeah. whatever. 
Yeah, it's fine. Now, but I'm you didn't die, though. so now we get to be famous. Now we get famous. It's perfectly reasonable. And then it's just like the hate in her eyes is like is loose. Right. <laughs> right. Okay. So then she's she's in bed. She's watching TV, mm-hmm. and she can hear a baby. <laughs> yes. And that's like, the worst part of the film. Like you really, yeah. it's like it's uh, it's so it gets under you. Yes. And where yeah. everybody else is just playing, and the milk, the breast milk bit. Yeah. Yes. So they keep they keep doing that, right? They keep trying to to to, to take her breast milk from her. Right, to, to, getting to soothe her pain. Yes, exactly. right. Soothe her pain. pain. You don't want it swelling and all this kind of stuff. And right. then the, the the really jerky woman with the glasses. The glasses. Like, the glasses are yeah. hilarious. They're she's comical glasses. Yeah, yeah. She's horrifyingly evil. Oh my and God, like, she's, so she's the one who's taking too. the breast milk away, and like, and uh, and uh, Rosemary like sees that there's an extra spoon sitting on the table. She just she thinks that like, oh well, if you're just taking the you know dishes away, it puts the the spoon in the breast milk. He's like, Oh, don't do that. Don't do that. We don't right. want to. Yeah. It gets all messy. <laughs> right. Fucking oh. cultists, man. <laughs> oh. It's horrible. These horrible cultists. Um, and then, the, and then, then the, and then uh, the husband says, Oh yeah, well that's not a, that's not your baby. That's uh someone else moved in in the other apartment. They have a baby. So that's the baby you're here. <laughs> Fucking dick. Man, oh man! If that like they, they could have put out a sequel to this movie in which he is crushed under rocks and it was five hours long, and I'd be like, "Yeah, I could watch that." It's <laughs> <laughs> amazing, horrible man. It's amazing. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. so, uh, so anyway, she figures out. She goes to the closet. She figures out the passage in the closet. Right. She takes the shelves out of the closet. And she figures out she can go right through. Mm-hmm. Right, like that's why. Yes, that's what was happening before. That's why she moved. That's what's happening before. before. That's why the, the that's why the secretary secretary is like a, a giant boudoir or yeah, whatever. Right, right? And, was uh, in front of there. The woman who and, was in a coma closed that fucking door because those guys were getting in. Right, that's crazy. Yep. Right. Yep. And that's how they got in. So now, the, so so she 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 gets into the apartment and then she sees they're all having a cocktail party. You know, there's something about. Cocktail parties in the Northeast. They're both amazing and <laughs> yes. horrible. And horrifying. See, get out for more notes. <laughs> see, yes. See, get out for more notes. Yes. But there's something about cocktail parties. So like, like I, I mean, I, I think I told you guys like these stories of like cocktail parties yes. at my parents' house. Like, and, and this is a thing they do. Like, you know, old, old retired white wasp people yes. right. <laughs> will like to have cocktail parties every night and they rotate from house to house every yeah. day, sort of, right? So it's yeah. like, you know, so you'll have seven different couples and then every night they'll go to Mondays is at this, the Smiths and then right. the right. Tuesdays is at the Browns and, right. you know, and Wednesdays at the Williams, you know, right. like it's at the Williams right? this week, remember? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then they all have their, their, their penny loafers and their, 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 their jackets and their little ascots, uh, ascots and, and that's what they do. And listen, there's not necessarily anything wrong with that, but right. there but the is chances a... of there being something wrong with you if you're there. Are high. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, 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 so something definitely to be noted about that. Uh, but they're having a cocktail party in this house, which is a, what, did, how do you describe it? Like uh, if grandma decorated Dracula's, Dracula's castle. Dracula's castle. <laughs> exactly. Right. So now it, this isn't the the Cassavet's house. It's a different house, right? It's this different. Is, yeah, I, I think it's the. Cassavet. I think it's the house on the it's, other it's side. 
Uh, I, is that right? Yeah, like I'm not I, sure if it's the cast of it's, it's, it's an extension of the cast of it's or it's a it is. part of it, but it's like yeah, it's like a place that you have not seen. It's mm-hmm. an area. It's an area you have not seen, and because right. they're they're quite free to be, you know, uh, you and me uh, in the uh, in that in that space. Like they right. have paintings, they have strange paintings, devil worshiping paintings, right. hanging up everywhere. Yeah. It's a, oh, so it's probably their apartment, but now all the stuff's different around. Yes, the exactly. Okay, so everything's fine, uh, except. They all look at her. They don't attack or anything. They just sort of look at her. And then right? an wow. annoying woman screams. Yeah. Ah, points. Yeah, exactly. Right. You see her stick the tongue out at her? Yeah. Right. <laughs> like a fucking 12-year-old. Yeah. Right. So funny. Ugh. Seven-year-old. Uh, the highlight, of course, is that at the center of the uh, – off to the side of the living room is a huge baby bassinet. Bassinet. Black black with a silver cross hung upside down with a bow on it <laughs> above it as a, as a uh, mobile <laughs> as a mobile and the person that's rocking the bassinet uh, over aggressively rocking yeah. the bassinet is the woman with the it's terrible the glasses, glasses. yeah and she's like <laughs> she's like she's pumping water <laughs> yeah <laughs> i was gonna say like she's operating a dildo but that's yeah, same the, difference the, man. Whoa. Yeah. so you're just like she is way too into this, this is bad. yeah this is bad. and she's just like and the baby's crying yeah. because he's probably rolling around yeah. <laughs> it's probably it's like a poseidon adventure yeah. for the baby yeah, it's, so it's a terrible, terrible, terrible thing. Um, uh, okay, so uh, okay, what happens from there? <laughs> so, so then she's just like, "What the fuck are you doing? Where's my baby?" And she goes over, and she's got a knife in her hand. She's like, goes over to the crib, or goes over to the bassinet, looks, and says, "What have you done to him? Yeah, what have you done to its eyes?" And that's when right. Roman says, "He has his father's eyes." <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? guys got guys in the uh, eyes are normal but, right no yeah are you that out of touch <laughs> you saw the father's eyes when this was conceived right you know and then and then roman goes into us uh, she like basically collapses with uh you know she's just overwhelmed entirely right and then roman goes into his big speech about like this is the son of satan is going to uh, rise up and dominate the earth and uh, and punish the unbelievers and uh, the, it's the it's the end of the world it's coming and the the one real hint that you get like obviously there's something wrong with kids eyes you know that much but the one sort of real nod that you know that this might be real and actually happening is the weather report that she is watching before she goes over to the house all right tell us about that because the weather report points out multiple times it's unseasonably hot, and it's only going to get hotter. <laughs> like, it's uh, it's happening, fellas. Hell on Earth is on the way, and, right. uh, and we're getting this. But they say that a couple times. It's like hell out there. It's like hell. It's 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 happening. Which, by the way, is exactly what it's been like for the last several years. Yes, this is very <laughs> here true. in it's reality. Yes, yeah, very much in touch with that one. But yeah, so like he he goes through the whole shtick and then says. Uh, and it says, listen, you know, we like, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to go badly. Like you're his mother and he needs a mother. You know, these other old ladies, they're not going to do it. Right. Right. You know, but that's like, a really interesting time. Um, because the connection, you know, it, it goes to her mother's spirit kind of, yes, you know, you're exactly. the one for, it's a, it's one of my favorite scenes in the movie because it's like, um, uh, there's just something beautiful about that. Like they, 
care about it. And when she switches, it's like, what the? Well, this is well, this is the sort of the, the beauty of the movie, and the reason why the movie makes such a good, uh, I think, feminist argument, and uh, like why it's a why it's, why it's, it's hard. Like it's it would be really okay. Let me ask you this mm-hmm. today. It'd be really hard to say that this is a feminist movie because people would look at this and say it portrays women really poorly. Right. And in fact, what it's saying is that all of these terrible pressures that you're talking about are absolutely real. Like, this is these... why we had such a hard time with people trying to defend Blonde, for example. Right? Yes, exactly. Exactly. What has problem. happened? Have you still been in arguments with people over I still, yeah, I still debate Blonde. I try, I try really? to be very, yeah, I mean, I'm trying, I try to be, like, easy about it. Like, I don't want to, I'm not trying, I'm not calling people names. I understand why they don't like it. It's a very hard movie. Um, but I think you're right, Chris. Like, there's a, there's a, like, the, because the thing, the thing with Rosemary's Baby is that it is, it is absolutely in agreement that, the, uh, it's like the patriarchy is the villain of the movie, and it's sort of like this fucking. But but but, but the but, thing is, I think. Well, that no, yeah, I'm leading up to a, There's no subtlety in this. Yeah, like there's like this is like men. It's too, I mean, it's, I mean, sorry, it's too subtle for most audiences to to understand. Well, this that. is well. They, here's the one big difference today yeah. or back then. Yeah, no, back, today. Okay, so for Rosemary's Baby in particular, back then, uh, and like what Rosemary's Baby does now and what is upsetting about it right now is that Rosemary's Baby is it in my opinion, a very feminist movie that's making the argument of like, look at the fucking horror that we're up against. You know, like men are these devious, horrible men trying to manipulate the situation constantly. They are incredibly selfish. This is terrible. It's nonstop. It's pervasive. It's everywhere. Right. And, uh, not not only that, like it's our parents that are keep on reinforcing it. Like it's the parents and grandparents force this, uh, this structure onto us constantly. So that is what it's saying. It's in complete agreement. But at the same time, it doesn't let Rosemary off the hook and let her be purely heroic. Like, that she... See, this is... And you're right. I 100% agree with you. And this is one of the things that I think is important. I'm sorry to say this. I'm going to be a little bit... It's important about this freaking podcast because I think too many people, they want to be fed (laughs) that information much more literally... To the point right. that it doesn't get, it doesn't un- make you understand that everything has subtlety and nuance. It's imp- the thing is, it validates what this does is it validates her struggle in that she is a real human being who is like, like she's a manipulator as well as her husband is. She's not like she's doing it in a defensive way because she has to. Right. But she's agreed to this. So, like, she's not like some pure heroine who is like, I am, I'm a good person who's only going to do the right thing. And once I discover that my husband is evil, I'm going to, like, none of that happens. She is as much a part of what is going on around her as everybody else is. The only, the major difference is that she is the victim of it. And she is, uh, because she's made all these passive agreements all over the place, especially with her husband, um, to protect herself. She's fucked herself even more deeply. And like the fact that she is, uh, that she has made passive choices and not heroic, strong choices, um, is very difficult for people to, uh, uh, see as feminist because they think that a feminist movie would have a hero that has clear moral lines and is Mm -hmm. untempted by anything. And the fact is that that is not a human being. When you do well, that. hold on. Okay, so so compare her character with Fury Road. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 
right? So here, like, this is because Fury Road also a feminist film. And, um, yes. uh, and, but, and but, but you, but un, uh, like, you, but don't you, you don't have to her... defend it as a Fury Wait, don't as you a right. So, uh, if I may, like, the that Furiosa is has the same problem that uh, Rosemary has. It's just, it's, it's a reverse form of the same problem. Furiosa is, is so terrified of the awfulness, awfulness that's been perpetrated, and she's so tired of fighting it. She's trying to run away to a fantasy place where it's only right. women and it's only going to be happy. And then, like, if we just have a world where there's no men at all because men are completely untrustworthy, then we can just live and be happy together as a fantasy unit. And it turns out, when you get there, that's death. That doesn't work, right? And beyond it, he had even pointed out, like, well, maybe we could ride further, right? And then Max goes, that's salt, like, which means that that's just bitterness. Like, there's nothing, there's no life out there at all. It's completely impossible to live beyond this point, right? You're trying to live in a fantasy. The fantasy land doesn't exist. You have to admit into your life the idea that maybe Max is trustworthy. And maybe you can fight this together. Like, and that is a huge thing to ask of her because of the punishing life that she has led. But right. it is when she, uh, when, uh, when she allows him to help her, that is the victory of the movie. That's where she, she allows him to help because she's dying. Right. And like, like she allows Max to help her. Oh, we're talking about Max. Yeah. And like that for her to, to, to trust in Max is her growth. Right. To say that, yes, almost all the men here are terrible. They're all the problem. Um, but to throw Max to the side of the road when he is also trying to find the right path is uh is keeping them from uh from the truth and from uh from fixing things and so these are brave movies about actual human like the difficulty of being a hero like you can't just be a heroic icon because people aren't heroic icons like it's like it's like it's like it's like what what's that line from uh uh from what is it uh from the insider okay so in the insider you have um, Russell Crowe and his wife uh, show up to meet um, uh, 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 Al Pacino and what's his name? Uh, the older actor, who's wonderful. I can't think of his name. And they're going to interview them for 60 minutes, a pre-interview. And uh, the wife doesn't even realize this is an interview about the smoking situation. And she finds out. and She's like, what the fuck is going on? And leaves. And Russell Crowe leaves. And then Mike, Mike Wallace. Mike Wallace is just like, who the fuck are these idiots? Like, I thought you were bringing me some heroic you know, whistleblower types. And, uh, and Al Pacino says, they're, uh, they're everyday people under extraordinary pressure, Mike. What do you expect? Grace and consistency? Right? And that's, right. this is the problem here, is that, like, with Furiosa, is like, she does not, like, she's trying her fucking hardest, but she doesn't have grace and consistency because she's a person, right? And with, with Rosemary, like, she's under this hideous wall of, of all this complicated shit that's coming down on her from every angle from her fiction basically grandparents from her husband from the entire patriarchy and it is fucking exhausting like all the time she has to deal with this and she makes all sorts of concessions left and right that are weak just so she can have a little bit of satisfaction for herself it's i think it's also the expectation right this is the thing that i think is important and this is something i think that is 
especially of that moment. Women were not necessarily, they were given, they had to play a role of the cocktail wife. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> you know, right. and but, she but, was but, that person. Yeah. For that, but, yeah, but not all of them. But this is that, like, what, what, what Rosemary's Baby is complaining about, and rightfully so, is exactly that situation. We're being forced into these roles, right? And the only way we can act is, like, we're being suffocated because of the structure of everything around us, right? That's the argument, right. which is true. And, um, and what the movie allows for is that Rosemary has been suffocated. Like, she gets nothing. Like, she's had to make compromises left and right. Or she's in a codependent relationship with her husband just so she can eke out a little bit of satisfaction here and there. And then in the end of the movie, like, she has nothing and has lost everything. And there's but no she's one who following. Help. But you're saying, so she's following the values of the older generation. But she, maybe she, that's, it's, a, it's a, a commentary on just youth. She's, well, she, no, she, 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 tries, she tries to break out of it all the time. Yes. Like she does it like when she gets the, the haircut is like, I got the Fidel Sassoon haircut. Right. And they're yeah. like, it looks fucking terrible. Right. They all tell her she looks horrible. They're trying to control right? her again. Right. And they're right. trying to control her. And so that's the thing. She tries to do her cocktail party. Remember her cocktail party yeah. was like completely her free expression. Different. Yes. Exactly. Her free expression. All right. of the friends and there were like, come down on it and destroy and they it. come down on it hard. Like, no, right. And Get back to but drinking your horrible But that's just really shit. a generational. It's just that's, showing that's, it is. Like generationally. But she's weak at not being able to right. survive it. She because in have, the end, she's like, I guess I'll just be the devil's mom. Right. And this is like, <laughs> this is my, well, the thing is, yeah. like, but the thing is like. Well, no, is that a, a, is that a woman's choice to say? The, the thing is, yes, because like. This is, this is what it's like. This is her son. She's going to have fucking feelings for her son. Like, that's true. It's true. Yeah. Like, and like, this is the only, the only goodness in her life is that she has this connection with this being who she grew. Like that's real. And to, yeah. to and to write it off as if that's not a real uh, thing that people experience <clears throat> because you need a heroic icon <clears throat> right. is false. And so like, this is the, like that, this is the bit, this is the trap, right? It's like men have the freedom in film to play any kind of fucking character that we want. We can play taxi driver we can play willie loman we could play junkies we could play whatever we want right but women have to play either subservient to men which satisfies men or they have to play heroes for women and they're being locked into these roles to be iconic and forced into these like non-real performances and non-real stories like it's just as trapping as that everything is else very is. true and like if you have a if you have if you want to tell a real as story, as told by it, three white men, <laughs> but yeah. this is the thing, dude. It's just like I'm like this is like I I I yeah, like I don't have the experience of going through this, but I can certainly see people suffering from it. And then when you see a movie like Blonde, which is so empathic and is built to make people like myself who have no experience of this experience it painfully and deeply, and we have to reject this now because it's too emotionally accurate. Like this is bad. We need, we need her to be a hero, which she wasn't right. Like she's we a need real to, person. yes, she's a real person. Right. And that's what you need to have empathy for. So you can fix all this fucking shit. But what we, what, what we insist on constantly now is forcing people into, um, fantasy roles. And I think that that is extraordinarily damaging. 
Like it's one thing to have I, a hopeful character. I, it's another thing to have a fantasy. I, I agree. And that's, I think one of the things that I hope that this podcast can bring to people is like a little bit of perspective about like, Oh, I didn't know all of that about Rose. Hold on one second. Because guys. I think a lot Hold of on people. One second. Please. My, you guys keep talking. My apologies. Okay. Yep, no problem. I, I think a lot of people. Uh, <sighs> oh, 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 there's uh, Finn is in there. Yep. Uh, there's a lot of people that could watch this movie today, especially yes. younger generations yes. and be very offended about the female role. Absolutely. Here. Absolutely. Right. Because and, they'd be reading it as like, if she's not the hero, then she must be the villain. Right. Yeah. Or the victim. <laughs> or the victim. Yeah. Like the victim, right? The point is, so to, it, is to put her in her place. But she is. Go ahead, Eric. And that dog's attacking me here. Um, but... <laughs> <laughs> Little Cujo, yes. But yeah, like she's like yeah. that. If to, to misread this movie is to think that it's about putting Rosemary in her place, that's not what the movie is saying. Like, who who would even think that though? It, this is I, I would I would see this. I mean, the thing is, like, this is exactly as as uh, tragic or read. I see this. I've definitely seen this written online. Um, but it's like on when people watch Blade Runner and they're like, "How can you support this movie when it's about a cop that kills slaves?" I'm just like. Because the point is that it's a person who doesn't realize that he's being incredibly cruel, realizes that these are humans and that he is being Why would people cruel. say that about Blade Runner? Because I mean, that's this, the way people are. They try to at find this the rate, you're thing. never going to have because no. be able to make a movie. Because no. without, without, being, without, being, uh, without slamming them, the reason why they find solace in inter- interpretations like this is because they think it protects them. Like, they, oh, well, I've stopped that bad movie that says that this happens. And now I don't have to worry about that anymore. When actually the movie was on your side and it was crossing boundaries that you can't I think cross it's by like, yelling no, at people. Because it's, it's, isn't it cool? Sorry, but isn't it cooler to say that Blade Runner is about a, a cop that kills slaves and therefore it's a bad movie? Now I am the person that figured now, it I, out. I am the good guy. And I am the, the good guy. guy yeah. And I'm going to put and it, all that's the, a and, 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 you know, that fits within, uh, within a tweet, mm, yeah. right? right? As a statement. Right. And that's, right. And this is, this is very frustrating because like, I am like, I, like, I am on that side. <laughs> like I am 100% on that side. Right. And when I see people Which side? Uh, on the, uh, like super progressive, ultra lefty, uh, like anything pro LGBT, yeah, but they're, pro they're, they're not helping everything. themselves right so now. Am I. So like, am I. They're not helping themselves. But this, but when you, it's, when you interpret it's, movies it's like that, it's shitting where you live because honestly, or shitty where you sleep. The point is, you're going to destroy art. Yeah, like you, if you want the truth to be, if you want the truth to really affect people, you need it to be true. And uh, it's yeah. very, it's very, very frustrating when people want the immediate satisfaction of fantasy uh, and basically cosplaying something, uh, cosplaying freedom rather than real freedom. And to yeah. like real freedom, like is is not uncomplicated. Like it is complicated because you're a person. And with real feelings, <laughs> and if you can't, uh, if you if you only believe in comic book characters, then you're going to have a real tough time emulating them because they're not real, you know. And I think that that's the this is the the real struggle that uh, like me, like uh, that Hollywood puts on uh, stories like this, and it's not, it's not it's not truthful, it's not helpful, and it's like it uh, it to me is very damaging to think like that. Like I was thinking, I, I went, I you saw my TikTok on Shirley Duvall in the shining, who is one of the great performances of all time for me. Like right. it's, it's incredible. She's a marvelous actress in everything that she was in, in the seventies, incredible actor. Right. But the story of the shining turned into, uh, 
oh, well, you know, Kubrick terror terrorized her uh, yeah. and abused her into giving this performance. And then she gave an interview just a couple of years ago in the Hollywood Reporter, who's just like, and the, the interview is like, so Kubrick was a real fucking bastard who tortured you into acting like that. And she's like, well, no, like we're artistic partners. And like he was, he, he could be a, a total dick for sure. Like he was a pushy dick and he knew exactly what he wanted, but we were partners and we were constantly working together at the expense of the crew's time to get to where the characters were. Like it's one of the great experiences of our life. And I was just like, Oh shit. I bought into that story hook, line and sinker told by somebody else rather than, rather than listen to her when like, as it's, as if it's the only way that some, that a woman could give a performance like that was by being terrorized into it, as opposed to being a really fucking good actor. Which is what she is, you know. Yep. And so, like, this is the like the self serving reads on these things are very painful to me because I'm like, I'm agree, I'm in total agreement with you, and so is the movie. But you're choosing the easy path for the quick payoff of your ego, and that's this not going to help the, you out. This is what I'm trying to push. I'm trying to push this. It's like this, a three hour podcast about a two hour movie is the cure. Or the toxic 280 <laughs> character tweet <laughs> about yeah. about something, right? Yeah. I, I just think that that's, that's just my my pitch on this. Yeah, I'm just I'm just saying that because, like, I think that we need to really spend the time to analyze things and get to those uh, those moments. And listen, you guys on chat can be more like like jump in if you guys want to do that. But I think that this is a lot of things that, that need to do it. But I do want a couple notes on our chat. Uh, uh, great, uh, great phone booth scenes. Uh, Jason mentioned all the president's men. You are a hundred percent correct. Oh, God, key, yeah. key phone booth scenes. Also, um, <clears throat> Hannah and our sisters, Michael. Oh, Cole. so many great ones. Why did we ever get rid of that's them? good? Yeah, we sh- we should just do the great phone booth movies. The great phone booth movies. Film yes. festival. The phone booth. The great America. phone booth movies film festival. Yeah. Uh, uh, another one was uh, uh, Dave Foodie said another three days of the Condor. Uh, yes. <laughs> dude that's what i'm saying it's a go-to uh, it's a go-to. another great waspy uh cocktail party horror film uh, uh story is uh the exorcist you're right oh god yeah it's so good that's a great one great that's one. a good one yeah good dude, one that's what, like, yeah. one of my favorite favorite gags when big like cocktail everyone's having a total cocktail party time reagan reagan comes down pisses on the floor and tells the astronaut you're gonna die up there <laughs> like talk about <laughs> Stone Cold slap in the face. It's so <laughs> good. Great moments ever. Unbelievably good. So good. You're gonna die up there. Uh, you're gonna die up there. Um, yes. And then Dave, uh, 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 Jason says oxytocin spiking. I don't exactly know what part of that of uh, our rant that he's referring to, but uh, it's I a great phrase. <laughs> I like it. I like it. We should make a t-shirt of that. Yeah, Martini giant. Oxytocin spiking. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, everyone is preoccupied. Uh, Dave says everyone is preoccupied by identifying who is the victim. The victim, more specifically, and you're absolutely right. The victim is the one that's trying to be identified, right? Yep. And whoever is right. wrong, the victim. And so when a victim, when a victim is doesn't, when a victim doesn't get their revenge, they get very upset about it, right? Yeah. And like this, like this, these because she doesn't. She right. doesn't get her revenge, right. and neither does neither does Marilyn Monroe and Blonde. And the thing is, right? like, I, like I think that yeah, exactly. And I think that like it is like it's great to tell, like there are loads of you know like uh, uh, totally uplifting, wonder like wonderful stories that are incredibly inspiring about everybody about every walk of life. Make those right. movies also, but don't 
uh, look at a complex movie that has a hard statement and say it's bad because it's uh, the statement is upsetting. Like say yes, that is that this is truly part of the issue. Like this is a like Rosemary's Baby is a complex movie uh, that is that has a hard thing to say, and that's why it's scary. Like it has something actual to say. That's why it's scary. I also talk though the one I always talk about um, with my daughter is the uh, is the birds. Also, the birds is like uh, the more I watch it, it's become my almost my favorite Alfred Hitchcock movie because it has a secret movie that is happening that is incredibly honest about uh, uh, women's lives in this pro, uh, um, in this uh, male dominant structure. And it's just below the surface of the movie all the time. And this is because Hitchcock's wife was the main force in drive and writing these movies. She didn't write them, but she was the one who gave the notes to the screenwriters to sculpt them. Like she had real things to say and to blow it off is, uh, is you're really missing something like that's very beautiful and very poignant. Right. Right. Okay. Listen, we are at exactly three hours of a broadcast. Uh, I'm very excited about this. This was a good one. Excited about it. Yeah. We did a good job. Did, uh, uh, hopefully, we did a good job. I feel like we did a good job. I was pretty ranty, um, so I feel good about myself. You were really on tonight. <laughs> you were I was on a tonight. Off my game, but you were on. You're a little off. It was yeah, exciting. I, I, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna. Uh, no, you were not off your game. You were actually excellent, Eric. I was very. Uh, I did not give. I had a lot of opinion things to do, but I got worried about time, so I just kind of moved the plot forward a little bit. So, but that's fine. But you got I mean, the, the key. The most important thing is you got in the tenant comparison, which is absolutely key. Uh, yeah, and it gets oh people to God, see tenant, which is amazing. Well, I think we need to do an episode on that one because it is literally one of my favorite horror films. Oh yeah, of all time, one hundred percent. But but I thought Rosemary's Baby would be a good one for. Oh, this, this is great. This I mean, this is. I think this is one of uh, his best, and it's a uh, it's a total crowd pleaser. Like everyone's gonna love this. Movie. Right. Uh, in our chat, I am dropping our Discord. I would love it if anyone wants to join our Discord, or I'm, I'm sure most of the people in the chat are already on our Discord. But if one of you is not, uh, please join. We'd love to have you on. Uh, it would be great to uh, to be to have you part of our Discord. Chats in there get quite funny. Lots of great memes, as well as com- competitive uh, 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 framed uh, stuff that's going on. Also dropping our Patreon. That has become an important thing. One thing I will also note, hold on a second, uh, one more thing. I will put our YouTube in there because our YouTube has actually become, uh, we're going to start putting a lot more things on our YouTube. And it would love to have you as a subscriber. So let me go ahead and do that. So our YouTube is here. Oops. One second. Ah. Uh, uh, and that is our YouTube. So please subscribe to our YouTube. Uh, we are actually starting to make more video content beyond the podcast, and that would be a good place to have it. So it'd be great to, uh, for you guys to check those out. Uh, we're just going to start pumping these out like one or two a week, I think. <laughs> it's yeah. little short form things. I believe in jam. It'll be fun. Yep. Jam, jam, jam. Uh, so so if you like if you like uh, you know some uh, ham and you know. Uh, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. We'll we'll be putting them out there. Amen. Uh, and uh, one of like my video has been all funky on OBS. I'm not sure. Hopefully my sound sounded okay. If my sound didn't sound good, okay. Yeah, it's gonna sound fine. Well, that's for for us and for yeah, but I don't know on actual Twitch Twitch if it sounded good. Um, okay, but anyway, thank you guys so much for joining us on this Halloween special. 
and one more announcement for next week. We are going to be doing a watch party. However, this is going to be a special watch party because, as you guys know, watch parties are on Amazon Prime. Uh, they have to be on Amazon Prime, but they tend to cut horror films before. right before Halloween. So we're going to do a, an Easter film. No, no, <laughs> no, no. Passion of no. the Christ is our. Uh... No, no, no. We're not doing Passion of the Christ. We are. What we're going to be doing is uh, we are going to be voting for it just before it airs. So we're going to. Sh- Find some suggestions that we know are going to be on and that, that are going to be on. And then we're going to vote for them just before the era so that we can guarantee they're on. So we would love to have uh, you guys be part of that. So make sure to be vo- uh, get there early on Saturday and make sure to vote for the movie that you want to do as a watch party, which will be on the 29th. I believe it will be. That's correct. So that will be a fun watch party. All right. Yeah, that's cool. I love it. Good point. Yeah. All right. You guys ready? Let's do it. Yes. Drink. Talk. Drink. Drink.